Welcome to the Making Jobs Podcast, where we talk about car repair, business ownership, and everything in between. I'm your host, Matt Hernandez, founder and owner of Matt's Mobile Mechanics. So without further ado, let's get this show on the road. And welcome back to the podcast. Um, so we actually have a new name for the podcast. I've changed the name. So Again? No, yeah. No, I'm. I'm oh, okay. Is, yeah. So it was. <laughs> it was originally, you know, the Matt's Mobile Mechanics podcast. I changed it to um, the Making Jobs podcast because our topic, um, you know, kind of the topics that we cover are a little bit more broader than just car repair and mechanics. Right. And it and the conversations tend to be more oriented towards business ownership, business management, things of that nature anyways. Oh, who's, who's horn honking? That was me. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Rule number one of podcasting. Yes, yeah, turn off the phone. phone. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Yeah. Well, you know, how old people are with technology. Golly, here we go wow. again. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, Taking shots at his age. Jeez. I come here and get beat up all the time, so yeah. it's all good. So we're a uh, new name. We are in a new office as well, which is uh, which is the the new studio. Um, pretty pretty swanky here, in our little uh, cubicle of sorts. So <laughs> it's real cozy. So it's, I mean, yeah, this is technically a little bit bigger than my my home office, um, home studio, yeah. or or at least it may not be bigger in in area, but it's a little bit more open ish. Yeah, so, the table takes up a lot of space. Yeah. Yeah, so we've got we've got a new studio because I'll be moving um, out out of town and I'll be living a little bit further away, so it's harder to convince guests to drive an hour to go <laughs> to my house to do a podcast versus just right in town. It's a pretty convenient location. It's relatively centrally located, yep. <clears throat> more or less. So, anyways, today I have with me uh, Frank Cerrito with On Demand Mechanic and Ryan Stang. With, um, uh, what are you with? <laughs> with, with uh, all three of the mechanic companies. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he's, the, he's the mechanic assistant that gets passed around like a $2 hooker. Yeah, something so, like that. <clears throat> um, so he's, he's here today. We were talking a little bit before you got here, Frank, and before the podcast, um, a little bit about hunting with it uh, coming into, we're in the... Well, we're kind of in the thick of archery season now. Um, it's we're well into it, and uh, here's I mean I haven't seen any bucks chasing any does, so I don't think the ruts no, coming no, no, in. No, no, and no, 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 no. everyone on Facebook loves to. That'll do be this. Uh, early November. <clears throat> yeah, early to late November. Last year, last year where I hunt, it seemed to be um, basically like the week before Thanksgiving. The yeah. rut was kind of in full mm-hmm. swing. So that's always the thing. I think it's almost a joke now on the archery groups on Facebook where someone will post and be like, I saw does getting chased by, by a buck. They're, they're no, running you does. No, you didn't. Yeah, you just yeah. saw a buck and does in the same area. Like I saw that post on like October 2nd. They're like, the rut is on in Oklahoma. I'm like, really? Yeah, no, it's <laughs> not. No, it's not. So anyways, we were talking about it, and I made the mistake of, of um, cooking up one of the steaks that I – uh, from the deer that I shot earlier, um, the first week of archery season. And this deer is a button buck. So he's young mm-hmm. and his meat's unbelievably tender. I could tell that when I was quartering him that he was tender. 
And I made the mistake of cooking this thing up and eating it because it was literally the best steak I've ever had in my entire life, <laughs> like hands down, period. And I've had some, I've had some real expensive steaks at some very nice steakhouses before. Yeah. And uh, which those usually. Those are always a letdown. They are kind of, they, they kind of end up, they, they fall, they're in the top 20 of my, um, they're in the top 20 of my list of of uh steaks but in the top five or in the top 10 most of them are steaks that i made yeah so but in the number one top is this last steak that i made and i made the mistake because i don't know like every other steak from now on is going to be trying to live up to that steak yeah (laughs) and Mm -hmm. um but it did but after we ate it i was like i've I've got to get more deer we're going to run out of steaks pretty soon this is just small deer (laughs) don't you think it's funny how i beginning of deer season comes around and you're like i'm gonna tag out all my doe tags this year i'm doing it and then november rolls around you see a doe you're like whoa wait a minute we got a buck coming in somewhere for sure well, and it never happens you'll sit there and watch a doe in a food plot for hours well here's the deal and at the beginning this of deer year, season you pluck them right after, away after having skunked out last year and not getting a single deer my mentality this year is um shoot on site yes <laughs> yeah i have i have a new mercy policy yeah so <laughs> right mm-hmm. now because i need to fill that freezer up uh, because i'm aware that there is the a possibility that there's a year that i can't that i won't get something which is unbelievable to me <laughs> although i was much more prepared this year there's always something to kill at some point so yeah but there's something about that there's I there's a definitely something about seeing a deer within shooting site that is just totally I, different from anything else i forgot I forgot how good venison was, and I had had it um, since because I hadn't shot a deer in several years um, uh, until I, you know, after I moved back here, I didn't hunt for a couple of years, and then I got into archery. Yeah, and so I hadn't, and I, but I had had venison before, but it was by someone who didn't do a good job of uh, of uh, preparing and handling the meat. They they gave us they gave us some venison. They they were hunting. They didn't. They, yeah. they were like, oh, we've got this extra venison, and. Um, they left like a ton of the silver skin on, yeah, and a ton yeah. of the fat, and uh, my wife didn't notice it before preparing mm-hmm. it, and it was like not good. tragic. Yeah, waste. You know, the funny mm-hmm. thing is, deer fat doesn't taste good, but it's not. No. It's not as much the the taste that is. It's like the, bad. the it's toughness. The, it's, it's like wax texture. Yeah, it's like a wax, and you're, it's horrible. Hmm. Um, Frank, so Frank doesn't do much hunting. I anything. don't hunt at all. No, no, haven't oh. hunted in probably thirty years. So. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's a shame. oh hey, so your mic where the label is. Um, that's the front of the mic where the, yeah, cause it's directional. I was wondering why I was hearing you oh. move around in my, in my headphones. Um, is that better? Yeah, that's oh, better. Okay. Gotcha. So you know how like jerky is ridiculously expensive, mm-hmm. no matter what kind of jerky you go yeah. buy a bag of air that says Jack Link's on it and you yeah. 20 bucks for it. Yeah. Well, in high school, me and my stepbrother were like, man, we're going to get rich off of deer jerky. Yeah. You know, we actually thought we could do it. So we <clears> made a company <throat> called cheaper than dirt jerky. And we sold, like, these little gallon-sized baggie of deer jerky, like, full. You didn't pay for any air for, like, five bucks. And we made a lot of money, but we sold, like, one deer in, like, a week. <laughs> yeah. So, like, yeah, this isn't going to work unless we, can, unless we can mass-produce deer yeah, jerky. Yeah, it's not sustainable. Right. Technically, here's a question. Um, you, well, you would have also had difficulty growing and scaling that company because yeah. uh, it's illegal to sell wild game meat. In mm-hmm. uh, the great U.S. of A. Do you know why that is? Why you can't sell wild game meat? No. 
they not teach you anything in schools these days? Mm, no, we had this conversation on the first podcast yes. I was ever on. They That's don't true. teach anybody anything. <laughs> it must not have been on a... I can uh, regurgitate information. Yeah. If that's what you would like. It must not have been on the uh, the standard state yeah. t- standardized test. Mitochondria is powerhouse of the cell, if that's what you want to know. But <laughs> I don't know why. Uh, no, the um, so the reason why wild game uh, is not legal for uh, selling in the U.S. is because of uh, market hunting back in the day nearly wiped out like most oh, yeah. species. Yep. So, you know, people were coming across the plains just, you know, wiping out the American bison, uh, mm-hmm. tons of deer, elk, mm-hmm. all that stuff were getting just obliterated because they were selling, you know, selling the fur, selling the meat and all this stuff. So it's, you know, whenever we, whenever the population started bouncing back and everything, uh, laws were passed to prevent you from selling because they're afraid that it'll get to that point yep. where, you know, people will market hunt again if they're, if they apply a value to the to the wild game especially considering you know in the u.s is pretty unique to the world that wild game is publicly owned so like it yeah. doesn't belong to the government it doesn't belong to you know an individual it's everybody's so it's another weird thing that you know you go and sell something that belongs to everybody you know it's it's kind of you, yeah you kind of cross into some weird lines you know back whenever they were market hunting um buffalo or or you know the appropriate name the american bison um they the tongues were so valuable that what uh what they, it was considered a delicacy you get like a set of moccasins for a couple buffalo tongues you know <laughs> <laughs> well they were so they're so valuable that what uh what these market hunters were doing is they realized that the the meat wasn't even worth carrying back so they would they shoot buffalo, just cut out the tongues, leave the rest of the body. Yeah, just yeah. Because at, so, at one point there were so many of them that they were yeah. like, "Oh, well, we and buffalo, they shoot don't afford them and just leave." They're not like they're not like an evasive game. They're, no, they're yeah. cows. They just kind of look at you like, uh, "What do you want?" Yeah. yeah. Well, because they're they're basically just they're cattle and they're they're wild cattle out they're there. Just really, and really they have big so wild, and they cattle. have so few. They they really don't have. Um, you know, much in the way of predators. I mean, like a bear can, you know, uh, take it. But when they're in that herd, they're safe from even grizzly bears for the yeah, most part. Grizzly bears are like, I ain't walking into that crap. So a full-grown bison will just look at you like, what are you doing here? Mm-hmm. Because they, they, had, they hadn't evolved to, uh, to have to uh, escape uh, projectiles, you know, flying yeah. at them. So like, oh, what's that little... Like they, they look at a person and they're like, that's, that's insignificant to me. That's just a, a little... That's a, that's a weird-looking... Weird looking mm-hmm. monkey over yeah. there. Yeah, so, there, so there's got to be some sort of way to get licenses to sell. I mean, because you know, you see bison meat and you, you can get so, alligator and all these other kinds so of bison, weird games, So, bison, most bison meat that you see being sold is farm raised. So, you mm-hmm. can you can sell it if it is domesticated animal that is, you know, so you have we have bison farms that you can get. Um, you can obtain elk meat. From what I understand, most of the elk meat that we get here in the U.S. is uh, comes from farms in New Zealand. They've got elk farms huh. out in New Zealand. Um, so as long as it's farmed and raised, the problem is, and here's the thing that I've found is there is something different to a domestic, even, you know, the same animal, you know, like there's something different about a domestic, like say bison versus a wild. Yeah. It's gotta be what they eat, right? Yeah. Well, it, and I mean, even if you did a domestic way and you, you know, it was grass fed, never grain fed. And, you know, they had mostly wild. I think a bison would end up being the same taste because Mm -hmm. they're, they're living the same life that they would on the plains versus in a, cause you know, they're in a, the only difference is they've got a fence around them. Mm -hmm. Well, 
But elk, this is where I think yeah, would be a difference. Elk a and deer grown elk is going to have tougher meat than a. And there's, and I think there's something. I think there's something in that animal whenever it's like, it's surviving for its life every day versus like a you know uh, a farm animal where it's just you know just hanging out. You saying like you're consuming its spirit energy of having to survive every day in the woods when you eat it? It sounds weird, but I think that's the case. Oh, Um, okay, all right. Like I like that steak that I had. It was more than just like, and I've had some pretty good beef steaks. I have. Because I am a I am a steak expert. I if if you want a good steak, you gotta have me prepare it. You took a bite of this button buck and took a like traveled through its life. Yeah, you're like whoa. Yes, it was I a very short. I just experienced yeah, everything really this buck just yeah. experienced. Yeah, it was a very short. It was a very short uh, uh, flash before my eyes of its life. But it you know, and I imagine, and this is what I think. I think you know, a, a, an older deer that has seen more. Like it's, there's going to be something more of substance to it. I don't know. Yeah, tougher meat is what it's going to be because it's old. Yeah. yeah. No, here's the thing. <laughs> so what you're saying is I'm probably tougher than you guys if, if you know, we oh, come yeah. down having to eat each other for yeah. some reason, right? Yeah, like, that's, I mean, Ryan would be the first to go. That's yeah. right. That's because definitely. he's, he's, he's the, the youngest. He's the button buck, right? Yeah, he's the youngest. <laughs> he's got he's got more fat content, so yeah, he'll, be, yeah. he'll be tender. I'm as fat as you are tall, so. Yeah. <laughs> he'll be more tender, um, you know, probably be less uh less dry of a meat because of all the fat <laughs> yeah i yep. mean frank would have to definitely wait for last because he's the um he's the oldest it's like a it'd yeah. be like a mercy shot for frank yeah if deer were hunting us yeah it'd be a mercy shot yeah like, man like, we really got to put this thing down this guy's past his prime man, you guys yeah. are killing me I, I don't know why i even show up for this <laughs> stuff <laughs> so um so one of the things I want to talk about besides that, which is this is there's no good segue off of hunting and the best steak in the no. world into the next topic. I was going to talk about, uh, well, we are here on a rainy day, um, and which is uh, sometimes good hunting weather. And mm-hmm. then on rainy days, what do we do? Sit um, inside. Yeah. So in the mobile mechanic world, we do everything on site. We don't have a shop to work. Um, yeah, it's very and, difficult to work in the rain. And and we have like so occasionally we'll have a customer that has a place to work undercover. Yeah. And mm-hmm. Frank's right. got a shop, but it's there's it defeats the purpose of having a mobile mechanic if we have to right. move a vehicle to a shop. And I don't I don't like doing it in my shop. It's convenient, but that's not my business model. So yeah. exactly, it. yeah, it so. defeats the purpose <clears throat> because even if it's doable, and I mean like we can in scenarios where a customer just absolutely needs this vehicle. And we've got, you know, it's the springtime. We've got yep. a week full of rain. Mm-hmm. But and like I'm like tomorrow, I'm going to do some work. Um, you know, at a customer, they've got they've got a, a space that I can put the vehicles in, so I can work at the rain. And and it is kind of time sensitive. And and but I don't have to move it to a shop. I yeah. can do it right. there at their shop. Um, but it it adds this element of inconvenience if you have to have a vehicle towed. Mm-hmm. The moment that you have to have a vehicle towed, you completely bypass the entire right. purpose. The, one of, of our the benefits businesses. of us yeah. being a mobile, because you know yeah. we we yeah. proved that for customers before. You know, we yep. worked on a car in a park and it saved her 100, yes. 150 bucks having it towed somewhere. The so. problem that that's like the downfall of the mobile mechanic is, you know, if we go out like today, that freaking rain is cold. If we yeah. go out and we roll around in the rain for an entire day, and two of the mechanics get sick, well now we can't 
hardly yeah. work at all. Yeah. Well, and it's also just like I don't like to get my tools wet. Yeah, um, you you're just ruining your tools. Too. Yeah, especially considering that like my power tools are all cordless. You know, it's mm-hmm. not like they're pneumatic. So yeah, you know, the cordless tools they can they can get a little wet, but they can't get soaked. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, I think well, I think it, I think as mobile mechanics, we've all done that and said, yeah, we we'll work through this, yeah, right? Better. And then you yeah. decided that, yeah, we don't want to do this. Yeah, this anymore. this comes from yeah. experience. This comes from <laughs> this was a lesson learned. Yeah, not, me too. Not at all a, um, uh, not at all just something that I just decided. You know what? I don't feel like going out in the rain. Right. No, it's because I've tried it and it's less it's less productive. You're less efficient. You're less productive. Yeah. And, you know, I have canopies. I have those instant pop-up canopies. Those work fairly well in a lot of occasions. But the problem we have here in Oklahoma, when it rains, is a lot of times the wind picks up. And yeah. those canopies are just, and when it they're rains. worse than trampolines. Right. Right. Yeah, <laughs> sail, right. And then, of course, you always got, if it's raining, it's going to be on the ground, no matter if you have a canopy or not. If you're having yes. to roll around under a car, you're going to still mm-hmm. get wet. Exactly. So. Yeah. yeah. Um, there's And there's unique challenges depending upon your the geographic location that anyone's in. I had done, because um, I, you know, I did a soft launch of a division up in Omaha, Nebraska, mm-hmm. and discovered that we're... If we reopen and we we actually pursue that division more seriously, we have to come up with some sort of we have to come up with some sort of solution for the winters up there. Because yeah. here, here are winters. It, it gets cold, and um, and I don't like to work in below freezing weather. Um, yeah, but that's like maybe two days of it a week, and then yeah. it gets warm. And again, then it gets right? warm. Again. So. It at least gets warmed up enough to where it's you know above. If it's yeah. a, in Nebraska, it, it's going to snow like yes. crazy. Well, yeah. I found that if it's above 35, it's not miserable. You can you can wear yeah. enough clothes. And the problem is once it drops below freezing is not as much. I can put on enough layers to keep me warm, but I can't keep my hands warm. Right. And if you can't feel your fingers, mm-hmm. you can't work on cars. Yeah. Um, did that once, changing the transmission on a Dodge Ram um, in like 26-degree weather or something like that. Mm-hmm. And it took way more time than it was ne- than it should have taken. It took every bit of probably, it took us every bit of like close to 10 hours. To yeah, never Because yeah. we had to stop. We had to Warm stop yeah. every mm-hmm. so often. I left my truck running the entire time. Yeah. And we yeah. had to stop every like 15 minutes or so. Mm-hmm and get in the truck and warm up so we could feel our hands again and we and we're layered up i've got hot hands in my gloves i've got hot hands in my pockets on my <laughs> yeah. jacket i've got hot hands in my boots yeah. um well we did one a couple of years ago and it was cold and then um you know we were doing breaks or something in a parking lot and then all of a sudden we got it, it started raining and turned into an ice storm and mm-hmm. you know that was not only uncomfortable but dangerous right once you yeah. once you're sliding around on ice and stuff so yeah that was yeah. a bad idea i so. yeah so you know so that policy of the you know it's i call it my water policy um, when water stops working so do i yeah well <laughs> the unfortunate thing is you know as well as i do an 80 percent chance of rain in oklahoma doesn't really mean anything so yeah i mean it probably won't rain right yeah. so yeah so so you know, there's, it's more of a logistics challenge than it is mm-hmm. actually trying to figure out what to do in the weather. You just have to reschedule things and move things around and find the, right. you know, find out what, what things can be done that are under like a carport or in a garage. And it's, uh, and, and fortunately having relatively, like the only bad weather times we have in Oklahoma that you can guarantee is going to be a substantial amount of bad weather for a long period of time, spring, whenever we mm-hmm. have those, those spring showers that just come in and they'll, you know, you'll have thunderstorms for the majority of a week right. and you have like one working day out of the entire week to get everything done. Right. Yeah. Um, that's really the only, and it only is like that for a few weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, our winter time's not too bad. 
gets a little cold if it drops below freezing it never stays that way for more than a couple of days yeah um but up in omaha it is you know they, they got they got hard winters and long winters yeah and you know there's other you know challenges for places like that too i mean think about estimating estimating <clears throat> job times right when you've got yes. a place that has salt on the roads and stuff and like that and bad winters and bad winters so much rust so much rust right it's an unbelievable so i went, we have it pretty lucky here <laughs> i know you know i never really got to thinking how how nice the weather really was here because yeah there's that saying you don't like the weather here wait five minutes yeah um it's well, it's basically true mm-hmm. oh, um yeah. so it, for the majority of the time so we get nasty weather but the majority of the time it's relatively nice it's just we will get random nasty weather mm-hmm. without yeah. any warning, but it usually doesn't stay long. But so I was up in Omaha um, one time, and I was, I was like, I saw this. Um, whenever we were doing the soft launch, this was a, a little while ago. I've been up there more recently, and I saw seen the absurd um, rust all over the place. So mm-hmm. we go up there in, in on an in April, and it was cold. And I was like, and I told my brother, um, I said, well, you know even though we're not going to continue this division up here, whenever I come up to visit you, I'm never doing it in any other time but the summer. Like I'm not doing winters up here. Right. And I'm not, you know, you're, you, you say you're in the springtime, but you're a bunch of liars. This is right. winter. Right. So, yeah. uh, because like the week after I left, it dumped like a foot of snow on them. I'm like, you're a bunch of liars calling it spring yeah, up right. there. Right. It doesn't snow in spring, right? Yeah. So, uh, while I was up there, I saw this like 2008 Dodge Ram, you know, not a brand new truck, but not a very old truck. The rear on the truck bed, the wheel well was rusted up almost all the way to the top of the bed. Like it yeah. was rusted yeah. out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that's ridiculous. My 2001 Ram with some, th- with about 300,000 hard miles on it with, um, with like no paint. Cause it's just spray paint on it. That Rust-Oleum. And it has mm-hmm. no, it hasn't, has like no rust right. in comparison. So there for a while, my brother was, uh, um, occasionally there was like two or three times he, he had bought a vehicle down here in Oklahoma while he was visiting to take up to Nebraska to sell because he could get it better because he could sell it because they were rust free. Yeah. Yeah. People shop for cars here from up North all the time. I, I, you know, I, I'm from Chicago and I have a cousin up there who's got a truck and to your point, the whole bed is, almost gone the only thing really holding it together is the spray in bed liner mm-hmm. you know that's what my yeah, brother I mean, had a truck that yeah. he drove down here one time and the only the 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 truck bed basically was the set in plastic bed yeah. liner <laughs> right like we pulled we picked up the bed liner to look underneath it and i'm not kidding like the the like like a good 40 percent of that bed was rusted out mm-hmm. like it was it was it was mostly just that bed liner yeah that was holding it. I mean, there were holes big enough that, you know, if I didn't, the bed liner wasn't up there and I wasn't paying attention, I could fall through it. Yeah. Know? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's bad. Like I remember as a kid long before you guys were around, um, <laughs> you know, cars would, two year old cars would start rusting and, and they rust from the inside out basically. Yeah. How you were know, those see, Model T's by the way? They, they were, they were rusty. Yeah. So, station uh, wagons. <laughs> hey, uh, I, yeah, we had a station wagon when I was a kid. Yeah, uh, yeah I had a station wagon too for a little while. It was one of those real cool station wagons that had the seat in the back that yeah. faced uh, faced backwards. Yeah, so you could flip people off going down the road. Yeah, right. it, I always thought it was I always thought it was hilarious. Me and my, me and my brother would sit in the in the back, and then my our younger siblings um, uh, would sit in the middle row there. We'd sit in the very back in the trunk, and we'd. Uh, when we come to a stop sign, like we would be crouched down, and then whenever we come to a stop, we'd pop up and wave at the people behind us. And they was <laughs> right. like, "Whoa, what's going on?" And there's people in the trunk. 
I just thought that was hilarious. Matt was that one weird kid that you saw. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. That, was, that was supposed to be my first car. It was a Chevy Celebrity station wagon. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. But then it broke down. I think it, I was uh, I was like almost 15, and mm-hmm. it broke down before I had got my license, and uh, my parents were going to give that to me as my first car. And I said, that'd be sweet. It'd be awesome. Because, right. you know, it's, I, I, I had a band at the time, so I'm like, I've got oh, so yeah, much space to throw my band equipment in. I told you in. he's yeah. that kid. Yeah. yeah. It's like the... Teachers are like, can we can we talk about your son? <laughs> so he's, he's a little different. Yeah. So uh, I thought a, I thought a station wagon would be real cool first car. Yeah. Um, well, ours was a, a '72 Country Squire, and uh, you know, with the faux wood side that always yeah, looked like crap. That's, that's yeah. what our celebrity yeah. was on that wood side. <laughs> Who thought that was a good idea? I, yeah, like, I don't know. You know what? You know what's a good look? Let's put wood on these yeah, vehicles. Yeah. Fake, fake that's wood. What, that's mm-hmm. what we need. Just like a vinyl tops. And that mm-hmm. that kind of fell out of fashion, um, yeah. but it stayed in fashion way too long. I mean, there's cars from the '90s that still have yeah. um, those vinyl tops, and I think even the early 2000s, you'll still find some uh, yeah. like the uh, like Oldsmobiles that'll have yeah. that vinyl or top. the half vinyls or something. Yeah, yeah. It's like what is what who who thought this was a good idea? Yeah, I don't like them. They rust. Everything rusts underneath them. Yeah, because they're not they're not they're watertight. Like maybe the first three months after they're mm-hmm. made, and then and then after you know. Eventually, the sun wears them out. You know, they get little pinholes in them, and then it just leaks. And there's no – every single one I've seen doesn't have paint underneath. Yeah, um, yeah. And I don't know if that's because they weren't painted from the factory underneath or if because so for so long water had got in there and wore, wore it all just off. Just rusted it all the way, yeah. I'm not, I'm not sure. I've never seen one new enough to uh, peel yeah. it back and take a look. Well, my I have a 64 Thunderbird, and the top's peeling off, and it's rust underneath it. Of course, I don't know. I can't tell if it's yeah. ever been painted, but you know you could certainly see the rust. Yeah, so. that was a thing on the Thunderbirds. They even mm-hmm. even the new Thunderbirds didn't they have the vinyl tops as well? Some of them did, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, I say new Thunderbirds, but when they brought like back the O3s, and yeah. you know the early two thousands. Well, I guess yeah. they didn't bring it back; they just continued it. People forgot that they existed in the nineties because they didn't look like Thunderbirds in the nineties. Yeah. They no, looked they like didn't. a Ford Taurus with a porthole window in the back. Yeah, yeah, and well, <laughs> the, yeah, exactly. Well, the thing about them too is that they went back to the design of the fifties. You know, the Tri Five. Thunderbirds and you know they went away with you know they were four seaters forever until they brought them back and then they brought them back as two seaters so yeah weird hmm. yeah I, I, I've never I guess I, I used to have kind of an affinity for the Thunderbirds and then I think for whatever reason why why I the reason why they, they fell out of like grace with me is that I saw the 90s model Thunderbirds mm-hmm. and I was like we haven't because we had like a 90 uh, like a 91 Ford Taurus look. And I was like, I was <laughs> like, right. we, we've got a Ford Taurus. that looks almost exactly like that. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, same thing with some of the Mustangs in the eighties yeah. and nineties, they look like, uh, you know, Mercury Capris or something. Yeah. You know? And I mean, it, it was basically just, you know, yeah, just I didn't really care for those body styles much. So. Yeah, no, which those were those were actually relatively popular with the uh, with drag drag racers. Yeah, yeah, because they had a lot of power, but and they were didn't small. like the way they looked. Yeah, yeah no, I, don't, I they weren't. I, if I were to get a Fox body um, Mustang of some kind, it would be it would be just for drag racing. Yeah, that would be the only reason yeah. I'd get it. I'm not a big fan of Mustangs in general, and it's not because I not because they're they're ugly or whatever. Some of them had been ugly, but mm-hmm. I don't, I don't like how many there are of them. Like <laughs> right. it doesn't seem like a very unique car. Yeah. 
and if you're gonna if you're gonna get something flashy and cool, it should be kind of a not necessarily one of a kind, but at least not like a you know one in five million that because right. they produce like millions of oh, those yeah. things. Oh yeah, I mean you know, I had a '65 Mustang for a while, and I you know there's no value in it. It was not a fastback, not a convertible. No, so like, yeah, unless it was one of those of uh, car, yeah. yeah, unless it was like the half model years or something that right. they only produced a few of them before right. they moved on to the next model. There's not really any mm-hmm. any value in them because they made so many of them. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, like uh, Corvette, they make the, just a regular run-of-the-mill base model. They don't make many of. Right. So because of that, you have a slightly more unique vehicle and eventually kind of gains in um, gains in value, which I may have to sell mine. I haven't decided what I've got to do with it. Uh-oh. Because the, the, um, uh, the house I'm moving to <clears throat> is about a mile gravel road oh, before yeah. I get there. And then in about um, an eighth of a mile before my house is when the county, um, uh, the, the county maintenance ends and it's private road and it's pretty rough. Yeah. Like it's a little rough with my truck. Well, you might just have to trailer it out to the main road or something. Gonna need a four wheel drive. And that's what I, th- <laughs> so I was like, you know what? I can trailer it out there, but then I was like, it's never going to get driven because in order to get it out of my house, I've got to put it on a trailer right. to get it out somewhere. And I was like, well, I'll just keep it in town. I'll store it in town. I'm never going to drive it if I store it right. in town. Right. You forget about it. Yeah. yeah. So I, and I. I'll take it uh, off your hands. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, you can if you want. <laughs> yeah. Maybe. I don't know. Actually, if I do sell it, um, uh, the guy I bought it from has to have first dibs, my buddy Smith out in Tennessee. Oh, no, I'm not going to buy it. <laughs> no, 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 no. Oh, no, no. I just take it off your hands. <laughs> no, no, no. No, that's not how it works. Right, you don't get it. You're going to take my baby for free. Mm-hmm. You got to pay something for it. So, um, um, so rainy days. Oh, so uh, one of the bigger topics I wanted to talk about today is something, and I, we touched on it a couple of times in the past, and it's a, it's something, it's one of those things that I really wish I knew and started doing way earlier in my business, and that's firing customers. Oh, man. <clears throat> don't get oh, me started. Oh, yeah. no, no, no. Yeah, Ryan, so, no, no, Ryan, no. Uh, Ryan was there, right? Yeah, yeah. so you guys, I witnessed it. so you guys have some, you know, relatively recent um Pain. fresh events mm-hmm. in your mind from a customer event that is saying the, it the, so nicely so i yeah. i barely yeah. so i had i barely interacted with the guy because i, was, I only did a small yeah thing. i was there for that too oh yeah and and then and then he wouldn't have me come back out again right i'm just now Which realizing I was, I was there for, the, for every yeah bit of it i mean yes. even when even when kenny was working on on <clears throat> that that first car that T-bird. The T bird, yeah, yeah. T bird. I was mm-hmm. I was there for that too. Yeah. yeah. So, so it, it, the sad thing is, is we kind of we kind of we Frank and I talked about it relatively early on with this customer. Um, like we were, in fact, actually initially Frank told me he's like, well, the guy's you know kind of you know particular, and I don't know you know if we're gonna keep him around as a customer. I was like, really? Because right. when I was out there, everything was great. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. The first time, yeah, and even the second time, but he wasn't there the second time. Well, but but that's the thing about the guy. It was like <laughs> to your face, he's super nice, but as soon as you turn your back and leave, yeah. he's calling you a liar. Yep. He's calling you this. And that's he's the things I wasn't. The book, that's right? the thing I wasn't seeing yeah. because it was a job that I was doing uh, for you. You'd subbed out to yeah. me, so I didn't really have to deal with the direct. Yeah, uh, and we're seeing yeah. more of that direct now communication. that we've left. We're still seeing him talk about. Yeah, all, everybody has been out there without us 
thinking that. And I, I kind of hope yeah. he forgot about me because he did take my 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 number down. Like he took my. Uh, I can't remember. If I no, gave he didn't forget about card. you. I said next time call Matt. Matt's uh, mobile mechanic. No. This is the guy you want to talk to. <laughs> yeah, um, I'll have to warn. I'll have to warn Rachel. Yeah, she'll she won't let him. She won't put him on the schedule. Yeah. Um, he he just you know it's it's the games that people play and I just yeah. you know I don't need it I'm a straight up person and you know he's yeah. trying to nickel mm-hmm. and dime me to death yeah. and you know so, he should get this for free whatever so, so I've noticed and this is I think it's been so I, I think it's from a few decades of the customers always right mentality and I blame Walmart mostly for this <laughs> yes so here's the thing yes you know from what, you know, with Walmart's kind of idea and their, you know, their way that their customer service really set them apart because they're kind of the way that they were doing things was unlike anyone else. They're like, oh, you know, you want to return it? No problem. Like they don't ask questions. Like you could walk in there and be like, these diapers already had crap in it when I bought it. Like, well, we're <laughs> right. really sorry about that, sir. Why don't you go grab them? <laughs> but they don't do um, that now. No, so. they don't. And see, even Walmart's caught on and said, yeah. you know what? The customer isn't always right. Yeah. Yeah. They're always trying to rip them. people off or get it, something for nothing. Yes. Yeah. It was killing. I think that mentality, the customer's always right mentality has bred in, you know, has created a culture of customers that think, well, I deserve this. They an entitlement. Yeah. yeah. And they deserve everything in the world. And they don't, they don't have any, they have zero consideration for how much it cost you to accommodate these ridiculous requests and you know they think that everyone can just get some sort of discount somehow if they just complain about it yeah well the thing is is you know everyone works with profit margins of some kind or another and because we you know we could we could have fat wonderfully giant profit margins if we charge what other shops charge with brick and mortar shops charge Mm -hmm, right because our overhead's lower but the reason why we, you know, one of the benefits of having our lower overhead is being able to pass that savings on to customers. So when people right. are asking for yeah. discounts and mm-hmm. stuff, there's really not much, there's not much fat to trim off of that steak. Yeah. Um, kind of like my uh, venison steak off that button buck, the zero steak. <laughs> we can keep talking fat. about that. Uh, <laughs> but, but, you know, the one thing too is I think people just assume that you own a business, you have money. And yeah. and everybody that owns a small business knows that's the farthest thing from yeah, the truth. Yeah, it is. You know, you could have tons yeah. of money. Mm-hmm. Tons of money comes in, but mm-hmm. a lot of money also goes out. Right. That's right. <laughs> like, that's right. You know, if you look at my if you look at my incoming transactions in the bank, you'd think I'm a millionaire. Right, until you see all the outgoing that exceed yeah. that amount. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> You're like, wait a second, those numbers don't add yeah, up. How do you how do you eat? You know, it's you just a, you kill button bucks and yes, get nice steaks out of them. Yes, it make like. the best steaks in the world. <laughs> Although that was probably the uh, no, I can guarantee you that is the most expensive steak I've ever eaten. You know, because um, the amount of money that I have sunk into hunting. Um, so until I get a few more deer, that that cost per pound is <laughs> right. relatively expensive. High, right. Yeah, I think it's somewhere in the neighborhood of about a hundred bucks a pound, uh, maybe more. Right. So that's a, <laughs> and I had uh, probably about a half pound steak. So that's a two hundred dollar steak at least. Yeah. Uh, or you, know, you can go or, to you can go to uh, Ruth's Chris and get a hundred dollar steak. Yeah, so. maybe. I, mean, I think I, I think I did the math. I think it ended up being like four hundred bucks a pound. <laughs> is what that deer cost. Um, so, you know. So you get this, you know, this mentality of the customer's always right. And, and Walmart was really good at, you know, basically setting that standard for everybody. Mm-hmm. It, it spread into retail and then it, and then it kind of continued on elsewhere. Yeah. Yeah. And here's the deal. Like you can read articles online whenever people talk about, you know, mechanic shop ripoffs or mechanic uh, shop cost, or you know, people ask questions on forums and say, well, I got this extremely expensive bill. What can I do? People say, we'll go in and complain to the service writer. They'll likely be able to knock some of the price off. So it's kind of been, it's, it's kind of, you know, 
been spread for a long time and pe- businesses are starting to realize because people are ripping walmart doesn't even price match anymore do you know that no really they, they quit price they matching. don't have to price right. match what are you they, talking yeah. about they usually you don't go across the season they, find a walmart they quit price matching because um people were scamming them they were coming up with you know fake ads and stuff mm-hmm. like that and mm-hmm. and it was it was killing them I'm sure that they looked at some number somewhere, and as big as Walmart is, I'm sure it was costing millions. Yeah. They don't even price match their own website. Do you know that? If, oh, if, really? Yes. Yeah, so if you find something on their website for cheaper than what is in their store, they will not price match that. In order to get that price, you have to buy it get on it the online. website. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and they're, you know, they're directing, you know, so I, I spent uh, several years in IT working with Walmart. So yeah. they're they're trying to focus, you know, their big competitors, Amazon, right? So they're trying to get walmart.com to be more competitive with yeah. Amazon. Oh, yeah. And that's yeah, why well. they're probably doing that. Cause they want those sales to go to the website. Instead exactly. Of the store. And, and I kind of, I have a sneaking suspicion that the, the money is, uh, basically coming from and going to a different place on the website versus the retail stores. Well, as far as, you know, it's so walmart.com used to be a separate entity. If you did not know that it's I, actually based in California. I kind of thought that would yeah, be the case. It's actually in the Bay area. And, uh, you know, that's all, under one umbrella now but mm-hmm. there for a while it wasn't and again i know that because i hmm. i used to do yeah. a lot with walmart.com as well yeah so. so and that's kind of what what i gathered why they wouldn't price match their own website right. because it was i figured it's probably just different company um, yeah it's basically. a separate entity under the uh, walmart umbrella but, but and again yeah. that may have changed i, I haven't been out there in it's, years but. it's probably the same i can't because if i were you know if if i were running walmart that's how i would do it and i'd yeah. say you know walmart.com is going to be separate just like they have their own transportation line and their transportation yeah. is you know gets its you know they're 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 their own entity um their their truck the trucking company is not the same um so um so with with this customers always right mentality it when especially when new business owners get into you know building a business and building client that you think to yourself well i need every client i can get i need every bit of business i can get and they get into this mindset that there's no such thing as bad business and there is there yeah. really oh, is oh yeah there, there definitely, definitely. and and i remember the moment that i realized that i could fire a customer <laughs> and and thought to myself why have i not been doing this right. all along Right. Because at some point or another, you have to sit and think to yourself, is this, is, is it worth it to get, have this business if, if of this, from this customer, if it's just going to continue to cost you time and money. Right. So I had a customer who liked to diagnose the vehicles and I would, and he was wrong every time Mm -hmm. he'd say, I need you to change this. And I said, well, that's not the problem. It, you know, we need to change this. And he'd say, no, I want you to change this. And so I would change it for him. And then he wouldn't want to pay because it right. wouldn't fix the problem. Right. He wasn't like, happy. Yeah. yeah like, well, you told me like, so I would, uh, so I would spend a lot of time going back and, you know, basically doing warranty checkups on, on his vehicles because he would, you know, I'd tell him, you know, his heater wasn't working. I kept telling him like your heater core's plugged up. You need a new heater core. He's like, no, no, I think it's this. Um, it needs to be bled or something like that. I'm like, no, it's not a problem. Anyhow, you know, it would work for a moment and then, and then uh, he'd go out and take it out and drive it around and then call me back the next day because it wasn't working. And I kept telling him he needs a new heater core. And he kept making me change other stuff. And then he would ask for discounts or he would ask for, mm-hmm. you know, the, he would ask to not have to pay for it. And, and I, then I got, and he had, he had a fleet of vehicles. Um, is is a small company. Um, he had a, it was a security company that did security patrols of like, um, 
uh, malls or malls whatever. and mm-hmm. stuff like that, yeah. shopping centers. So, you know, my thought was he's got like seven vehicles. This could be a good client. <laughs> yeah. And then, and I, and I kept putting up with it. And then I started doing the math and I'm like, as much free time as I spend messing around with this guy's view, I'm like making like three bucks an hour mm-hmm. off of it. So yes, he has all this business, but it's costing me. It's not profitable. It's right? not profitable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, the same thing I ran in with this customer we were talking about earlier. I mean, he's got yeah. tons of stuff that needs fixed, be mm-hmm. fixed. And I'm, yeah. And I, that's we were. So we we got we made the mistake of starting several projects at once, and getting into the first project, we realized what this guy was like. Yeah. We were already kind of way deep into another one, and so we were kind of you know stuck because because to your point, hey, look at all this business. This yeah. is great. Let's make this guy happy. And, yeah. and I realized I, w- I didn't make a dime on anything I did for that and, guy. Yeah. And when you get and when you get and you get and the thing is too, especially in services industries you get kind of stuck in a position where you have too many projects going on at once because mm-hmm. you're like you have a tough you know because you're like well you know the guy's complaining he's not paying you kind of have a tough time trying to collect payment on jobs not finished or, yeah so then you're like well i gotta finish this and mm-hmm. so you sink more time into it more money into yep. it and then and then you end up in a worse boat than you were and, and that's exactly with. what happened in this yeah. case i mean this was the worst experience i've ever had with a customer exactly what you mm-hmm. just said it's like okay well we got to get this finished so let's just <laughs> bygones be bygones and yeah and then he starts on me right i mean this uh-huh. whole time he was you know getting yep. on the you know kenneth yeah. and his guys and <laughs> and then everything was cool with me and i had to babysit for three days and then finally it, you know the, the thing about it it came over the stupid it just, thing it, the yeah. argument came over a 25 dollars belt yeah and and that's when he he threw us off the site so, yeah and at the point where a customer asks you to leave you know there's nothing you can do right the customer asks you to leave you have to go Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, so I had um, I had this one time I had a customer that was uh, angry about something or another. I don't know what it was. Uh, I remember I remember it ended up not being that big of a deal, but he called me. So he calls and he cusses out my receptionist. Hmm. And Rachel right, tells me about this. And so I, so I said, don't answer another call from him. And I called him and I said, okay, here's, here's what's going to happen. We're not going to do any more work for you. Mm-hmm. Um, I will finish what is going on right now i will fix what's going on right now but i will not come out there until you call and and apologize to my receptionist <laughs> good for you because it, it's a, it, she had nothing to do with she it zero, she answers the phone yeah, yeah. She, she's scheduled she right. puts you on the schedule she right. answers the phone that's that's all she has zero she's never seen your car she's never met you right and and you know there's nothing to do with it so i i, I texted rachel and i told her i said hey he's gonna call he's got to apologize to you so let me know if that happens <laughs> So she did, and she answered it, and she said he was very apologetic. And mm-hmm. <laughs> Right. Um, we actually ended up continuing working for that guy um, for a while. I hadn't heard back from him in a little bit. But he ended up he ended up realizing he was being a dick. Um, yeah. But well, this did, guy that we're working with, he, he, I think he enjoys being a dick. So. Yeah. Definitely. Mm-hmm. So the, 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 the lesson that I learned um, is that it is – there, it is worth it to fire a customer. Don't be afraid. Even if you yeah. only have, even if you're just starting out and you have all the five customers, if one of those five customers is costing <laughs> you time and money, it don't yeah yeah get Walk rid of away. even if it's twenty yeah, that's twenty percent of your client base, but but it's, it's worth it. It's negative five percent of your income yeah. if you're not making any money. What it doesn't make any sense. Exactly, I mean. and that's and and that's what that's one of the things that I really wish that I would have learned a little bit earlier. I learned it relatively early on. I think it was like a year and a half into business, mm-hmm. but it it could have been early if I'd have recognized that from the get go. 
I would have had a lot less heartache at the very beginning. Yeah. And, and, and so the question is, you know, and there, and there's a line that has to be kind of, kind of towed appropriately. Cause otherwise you, cause you can't go too far with it and just fire every customer. That's a mild inconvenience. <laughs> yeah, right. You know, you can't just be like, cause then you'll never have any work. If you're like, mm-hmm. well, this customer annoys me, so I'm not going to do any work. You have to, and, and I'm willing to go well above and beyond for, for customers. Um, and the customer is not always right, but the customer, you know, you have to still cater to the customer, sure. you know, to and, a, to a pretty good degree. Yeah. Um, in our situation with our, you know, customer that we just recently yeah, went we through, we, we tried backwards yeah. many times. I mean, we were, we're like 99% done with this thing. And he started this stuff with us on the last day. You know, I even talked to him and I said, here's, here's what's got to happen for us to come back out and finish this. And one of the things was you're gone. You're not there. Cause he's one of these guys that just looks over everything you do, do uh, yeah. and tells you how to do and it or he claim, thinks he tells claiming you, that he's he's, that helping. he's helping right yeah and, like, and you know that's the argument we didn't I had need with, your help it's exactly what i told him it was like yeah. you didn't these help guys anyway, do this so. stuff all day you're just you're just making more of a problem for yeah. me right i've mm-hmm. told i've told customers they say well how much you know they'll give them a quote and they'll say well how much will it be if i help you and then the price goes up because i'm like <laughs> yeah no there's no helping me right there's, yeah you know, i don't want you here I'll right let, i'll let you help but uh it's going to be double right because and we have like customers now it's a training thing we have customers that we enjoy working with like yeah the the one that had the 30 37 mercedes benz yeah that those are fun customers but now because of this one customer we have to change how we treat all of our Everybody. customers yeah right. yeah that's the and i i've had i had a customer in the past uh he used to flip um uh old fords um usually uh ford fairlanes um he prefer he really he was a big fan of the the fe block fords and mm-hmm. i am I, too i thought they were pretty cool yeah um, there was this, uh, he had done a, uh, a comet. Um, he did a comet that was, that turned out to be a really cool project. And mm-hmm. then he, he had brought me in to help him out, um, because he had bought this 67 Fairlane. Um, and the only reason he had the engine apart in the first place was because he wanted to put headers on it. And so he needed to switch to a different style cylinder head. And while the cylinder heads were off the, the tweaker that he had helping him out before, had dropped something in uh no it wasn't while the heads were off is after putting the heads together he dropped something down a spark plug hole and then he didn't say anything about it and he suspects the guy knew about it Mm -hmm. knew exactly what he had done because the moment that they fired it up that engine made all kinds of noise oh man and the guy the first thing he said is well you must have dropped something into in a spark plug hole (laughs) um and so he did it right yeah yeah yeah. so so i come along I end up pulling the heads out. There's a cylinder head that is just, or a cylinder that is scored. You can see threads. Like you can see the marks from the threads of a bolt smashed onto the bottom of a valve. So, (laughs) so I had helped him and he, and he would help me. And this was again early on before I developed the policy where we're not allowed to, because it gets confusing. So say something doesn't work right. Well, at that point, can you say, well, it's kind of your fault because you were doing the, the work or, well, no, it's, it's, is it, you know, who's the one who's going to have to take responsibility for that whenever the car doesn't start up because someone wasn't doing something right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, even though I enjoyed working with the guy, um, you know, if he were to call me today 
he wouldn't be helping me anymore. I mean, I'd let him hand me tools. He also was legally blind anyway, so he really shouldn't have been working on cars. <laughs> he shouldn't like, be driving, sounds he like, He shouldn't either. <laughs> be either. That's, he, he even said himself, he said, I don't, he said, he said, my license should have been taken away years ago. He's oh, like, wow. I, he, he's like, I get into so many accidents. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm like, oh, really, guy? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it does, it does nothing but per, put a burden on the job when you're trying to work and a customer's attempting to help you work or tell you how to do what you're doing like the mechanic that i ride around with now we have a pretty good system we get there and we just Uh split the job halfway well if you have a third person trying to you know pester one of the other people yeah like in this particular case uh he was underneath the car drilling head studs out yeah and i was on top building up the engine Mm mm-hmm and we would have been done probably two days before we'd ever gotten in this conflict with this guy had it not been over something that I tried to avoid him seeing, which right. was that he thought that the thermostat was supposed yes. to clamp into the thermostat housing, oh, which man. it does when you put the other side of the housing on. But he's yeah. like, oh, well, this one, you had to pop this one out. I'm like, because yeah, the, the housing <laughs> clamps it in. Yeah. This is, you know, I, I, I there in... And and it's the same with any services or on-site sort of industry. Like if you're an HVAC technician, or you're you know you do security installation, or you're a carpet cleaner. No one really likes having a customer that hovers. Not that I don't mind my work being observed, Mm -hmm. but there are some things to the layman that looks like it's bad, Mm -hmm. versus to the versus the professional. Yeah. So, well, you know, I don't know how many times you start swinging like, a hammer around. I, well, that's just it exactly. Anytime I, mean, I had a guy pull, beating the brake or yes. rotor off, and the, the customer was saying, "What's he hitting it with a hammer for?" Because <laughs> it won't come off. You know. Anytime <laughs> I pull it, you know, you, this that's one of those things that a tool a tool that you typically that most people don't expect is in a mechanic's toolbox is a hammer. A big one. Yeah. A big one. Yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, you know, when it comes to stuck parts, I always say that you know the solution to you can get anything apart with enough heat. Um, uh, liquid wrench and a bigger hammer. <laughs> yep. Yep. So whenever, mm-hmm. whenever I've got something that's stuck on there and I'm dousing it with PB blaster and then I bust out my propane torch and start heating it and then I get out a big old hammer then, and I've got a customer watching, I always feel like I have to explain myself. Yeah, <laughs> like, exactly. yeah don't worry. <laughs> that's right. I promise I know right. what I'm doing. That's right. So mm-hmm. those, those are the situations where I'd rather not, you know, or, you know, you go to, you go to yank something out and like a hose breaks or something. They're like, Oh no, you broke it. It's like, don't worry. I carry like 17,000 spare hoses yeah. playing around because you know, coolant hoses, they get brittle, especially those little ones like the heater bypass hoses and yeah. stuff. Yep. Yeah. They get, they get brittle and, and, you know, when you're taking them off, if it's, if it hasn't been removed in 15 years, there's a good chance that it's going to break. So that's why I have various sizes of random odds and ends hoses in my truck, because yep. if I'm taking apart an intake manifold, I'm likely going to be replacing some hoses, mm-hmm. whether it be coolant hoses or vacuum hoses or something. And so you get those, you know, those particular situations where a customer sees that. And, you know, they, they get, you know, a little on edge and it's like, no, look, yeah, I'm breaking things, but don't worry, going to fix the things. Yeah. <clears throat> and, um, so, you know, that's something that a, a brick and mortar shop doesn't usually have to worry about. Right. They don't, they don't let people in the shop. Yeah. So you can't watch what they're doing. Yeah. yeah. 
and and I understand why they don't let people in the shop. I I think it's I think it's partially because they don't want observers, but it's also it's going to be a, it's a liability thing. And yeah. that's another thing I concern myself with is if I'm working on someone's car. Yeah, car lift fails and drops on a customer. You've oh, got yeah. a problem. That's yeah. why customers aren't allowed in the shop. Their insurance is not is not like that. And and I and that's where it gets weird with us because our shop is their house. So I can't like be right. like, "Hey, beat it guy yeah get out of your own garage because yeah. i'm gonna work on your car yeah, yeah. but um so it, it gets kind of tricky and and also like i definitely don't want them helping because if they get hurt you know whose insurance is going to take care of that are they gonna have to are they gonna try and go after me um, oh, i'm sure or, in this day and age yeah, yeah i'm sure yeah or because i don't think they're gonna file into their homeowner's <laughs> insurance and have to pay their thousand dollar deductible <laughs> right <clears throat> you know um so i, I think it would be you know so so that it is it is unique to like the on-site or it's not unique to mobile mechanics but it is unique uh to you know, on-site services right. you know you get hvac technician he's out there you know messing around with it and and anything the more specialized and more technical it gets the more difficult it becomes to have an observer because they may see something and think that it's a problem when it's not because you as a professional like ah that's fine you right it's not going to be an issue yeah um i know it's not going to be an issue yeah um yeah well it's and, and again i don't mind customers observing but at some point when they start asking questions you know you're trying to focus on getting something done yeah all problems aren't simple you know you're trying to you know work out what's going on and you've got yeah. somebody chatting and asking a bunch of questions and yeah, sometimes you, you just want to say would you just go away so yeah. i can do my job yeah you know, like, from I, like an hour long diagnostic <clears throat> to a two hour long uh-huh. diagnostic and yeah start asking questions. whenever i'm diagnosing stuff like i get into a mode you know because I'm, I'm like i'm picturing the system as it works like right. how is everything working together why is this not working this way and so I'm in my own little world. Right. And you come by and start talking to me, it kind of shatters that world. And then, you know, I can I lose focus. And then, like, they leave. And I'm like, okay, where was I again? <laughs> like, <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, oh, yeah, that's right. It's misfiring. You know, I gotta, how, do we, how do we get to this, uh, the conclusion of this problem? Mm-hmm. So, um, and, and I'm not saying that everyone should just go out and fire all their chatty customers or their... Oh, their, no, no, yeah. not at all. The, those customers are good. I mean, they yeah. they show interest and they're usually good customers. And yeah, they, they like it when you chat them up a little yeah. bit. But at some point, it's I think it's it's fair to say, look, can can you just... Can I just get a few yes. minutes and... Because I really need to focus yeah. on the problem here. Those type you know? of customers usually require a little bit of handling. Yes. Um, so you just have to handle them in a way that doesn't make them feel like you're, you know, um, that you're, you know talking down to them right. or trying to get you you just have to be like okay you know here's and a lot of times what i do is i like you know i'll just appear distant because i really am distant you yeah. know i'm focusing on something else yep. and, and, I, and I, I make it obvious that my attention is not fully on them and then they usually get the picture right they get the hit and they leave and it's not a mean way of me saying hey get out of here right you right know? yep so they're 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 able to just kind of pick up on that and leave and that's the way that, you know, is, is easiest to handle that. And if they don't, some, some people are a little bit more dense. And so, you know, they don't pick up on that hint and you say, okay, um, you know, I, I really got to get back to work because right. I've got to get this done for you. You know, right. you're, you're, you're not my only customer today. Yeah, yeah. You, you, <laughs> you're paying me to work on your car. Right. Um, not for me to chat with you. Although I have a customer or two that I swear they pay me just to come out and have a conversation. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yep, yep, yep. Um, which there's, there's one in, in my, you, you know, you know, um, Ryan, cause you, you've been out there. There's one, I don't mind it's, having, uh, a, yeah. having a chat with him. He's, he's a pretty cool guy. I think we worked on his uh, mower when we were out there. Supposed to be, yes. supposed to be fixing brakes and then ended up <laughs> repairing his yeah. mower deck. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what happens. You, you go out there. Like, I, he's one of those customers that he'll schedule, you know, he'll call in to get an oil change done, and I book the whole day. Because I, I, <laughs> yep. will, I will be out there the whole day. There will mm-hmm. be something else yep. that needs to be done. Yeah. Yeah. He had me uh, fix his, uh, his tree loppers. His tree, tree loppers. Yeah, his tree loppers oh. were broken, and he was like, well, you, you want to fix this? And I was like, <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah. yeah, you did a pressure washer, too, here not yeah. too long ago, didn't you? Yeah. yeah. Yep. So, so I fixed a pressure washer yesterday. Um, and, They're not uh, hard to fix. Usually, it's just people putting wrong. Well, this one was really wrong easy gas because the customer. Um, yeah, I was actually going out to do some uh, 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 do some ball joints and wheel bearings. Actually, I was going out to find out what this grinding noise was in this super duty um, uh, pickup truck, and uh, and he says, "Oh, you know, my um, the pressure washer's not working for some reason. You know, I can fire it up, but it won't spray any water." And it's on a trailer with a water tank. And so I, uh, so I go and I look at it and, uh, I fire it up, pressure washers fired up fine. And I, you know, spray it and barely any water's coming out. So then I look and the, uh, water shutoff valve was off on the water tank. So I just turned the water valve on Yeah. and look at that the yeah. pressure washer works. Yep. So this one was, uh, so I told him, I said, I said, I fixed your pressure washer. He's like, Oh, how much is that going to be? I said, I'm going to go with free on this one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. right. Yeah. <laughs> We the one that the one that I have been working on, it was uh it was out at a, a customer's business. We were doing an oil change on their car, and he said it, mm-hmm. that his pressure washer wasn't working, and mm-hmm. the um he had been putting is like ethanol gas in it instead of ethanol free gas. Yeah. So it just grimed up the carburetor and everything yeah. and just tore it apart yeah small so engines I just, re- I just went in there cleaned out all these little o-ring parts and replaced the o-ring small engines fine. are not a fan of ethanol in the gas even no. that small 10 percent. but here's another here's the thing that ethanol likes to do ethanol likes to uh, attract and absorb water and so you have this compound issue with pressure washers because they operate in uh you know fairly moist environments because yeah. there's a little bit of water <laughs> there's, there. there's a little bit of water mm-hmm. around them mm-hmm. Um, so you have to, so like 90% of the time when a pressure washer is bad, it's because the carburetor is gummed up and you need to replace yep. it with fresh fuel. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's what happened. So I had a pressure washer, um, that, uh, my, uh, my uncle would regularly borrow. Like it's the fourth time that he borrowed it. I was like, what, it, what you seem to need my pressure washer more than I do. Why don't you buy one? <laughs> um, he's like, Oh no, I just, and every time he'd borrow it, I would get it back and it wouldn't run. <laughs> <laughs> And, and it was, uh, always because the carburetor was gummed up and I'm pretty sure he's putting ethanol uh, fuel in. And even though I'd mentioned it, I'm pretty sure he forgot mm-hmm. <clears throat> to get, you know, uh, ethanol free gas. So I would, uh, so, you know, I'd clean it up. I don't have that pressure washer anymore cause I actually gave it to a, a guy who was starting up a, uh, uh, mobile detail shop. And I was like, hey, I barely use this thing. You can have it. Um, so, uh, so yeah, so firing customers is can be a good thing, and you shouldn't be afraid of it. Yeah, um, well, I mean, you know, the way I see it is, you know, how many how many cars are just in the Tulsa area? I mean, we've got plenty of customer base. Yeah, and you know, we've talked about this before on podcasts. We're you know we're trying to kind of get past that stereotype of auto mechanics. Mm-hmm. You know, people like, oh man, I don't want to take my car in, or I don't want to have it fixed. They're gonna scam um, me, kind of thing. Right, but yeah. but in you know, we're always gonna have those people like that. I think that think we're if somebody's trying to scam them and you yeah know, and so it's, yeah and, it's I, and hard i've to, 
you know, I've, I've had to explain things to customers before. And sometimes, you know, a lot of times you don't, you know, you get those customers that complain. If you explain things, they oftentimes end up understanding. Right. And, you know, you don't have to fire them. But there's some that you just can't, that can't be reasoned with. And the people yeah. that can't be reasoned with that are going to cost you money and be problematic and make, you know, a customer that, you know, you go and change brakes and their car doesn't start and they think it's your fault type of a deal. Yeah. Um, Always. Yeah. Those are, those are the customers that you, that you don't want to keep around because it may be one small thing now, but it's gonna, it's gonna, you know, you especially don't, you end up doing like a big job for them. Mm -hmm. You're, you know, if they think that the car doesn't start because you change the brakes, imagine what happens when you have to do a head gasket job on that vehicle. Right. Literally everything, every noise that that engine ever makes is going to be your fault somehow yeah well you know our, our customer we've been talking about I, I i think i understand why he's got so much stuff broken down because nobody wants <laughs> to work, no on wants to work on his stuff yeah i mean seriously he's just could be because he's been working on them too because he is a self-proclaimed mechanic he's yeah. a self-proclaimed and machinist yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah and everything I had, um, <clears throat> so i had um i had a customer um it was a um it was a fleet and they had, when they had brought us on, they, they told us that they'd been having a tough time keeping mechanics around. And I discovered that the reason they're having a tough time keeping mechanics around is because they weren't the, they weren't the greatest customers to have. Mm. Uh, they were a big fleet, but they expected because they were a big fleet to get all these deep discounts. Right. And then if anything went wrong with anything, they were expecting, you know, it to get done. And this one instance, I think that was the straw that broke the camel's back where we kind of mutually agreed that I wasn't going to be working for them anymore. And they didn't really want me to come back anyways, um, was we had done a CV axle, <coughs> excuse me. We'd done a CV axle on a truck on one of their contractor's trucks. It was technically the contractor's truck and not the company, um, but they would pay the job for the job and then just take it out of the contractor's pay yeah, right. which i found out later from the billing department that they were actually tacking on a uh, they were tacking on like a like a five percent markup on my bill oh so, for the people for that the were, people that were yeah. working for so them. they're making money on it yes yeah, so they're yeah. making money off of the repairs nice. that they're they're it's basically a finance fee of sorts yeah i guess so right so uh so like so it was it was kind of bizarre to me whenever they acted like you know because i was like well he really the, the so I found this out and I ended up telling contractors like look if you can afford it you should just pay me directly because you're getting more, you know your your bill's getting marked up yeah um so anyhow we changed the CV axle he has an issue with his truck um and and he takes it and he's in Oklahoma City at this at this point and he takes it into a shop and they say that his wheel bearing was torn up and it's because of a bad CV axle so they. They replace the CV axle. They bill him first off. They, the, so I get the, you know, they, they, they send me this bill um, saying that, you know, what are you going to do about this? Because you changed that CV axle. And I'm like, first off, that CV axle that they charged him for is $300 for the part. I paid like 90 bucks for that CV axle. <laughs> right. So either they've got a CV axle made out of pure gold or they built, <laughs> they marked the crap up out of that part. And I said, well, yep. first off, that CV axle was under warranty with me. Yep. I could have replaced that. Not only could I have got a new one without for free from the parts store, but they would have paid for labor because it would yeah. happen within 90 days. So, you know, and you didn't tell me anything about this, so I can't, you know, I can't do anything about it. Yep. And, they, and they said, well, you know, um, 
uh, you know, my boss isn't going to be happy with this and we're probably not going to be able to do any more work with you. And I said, that's fine because I, I don't think I'm going to do any more work for right. you anyways. Yeah, it works out good. <laughs> I was getting tired of getting these, you know, getting, you know, anytime we did anything, they'd always pay their bill um, on time. They paid everything and they didn't really ever question the bills. But anytime we would do anything, you know, they were expecting some form of, and, and we were doing, we were doing our, our labor rate was so deeply discounted on that. Like mm -hmm. as a company, after paying my mechanic, I was barely making anything. Right. And I realized that quality over quantity is just a better model. Yeah. I'd rather have, you know, I'd rather have 10 customers that, that, uh, that, 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 you know, that have one vehicle each than have one customer that has 10 vehicles that, that right. complains all the time and wants discounts because he's got 10 vehicles, you know. Yeah. And then, you know, fleets, you know, they require a lot of maintenance too, you know. They do. A and of, the, a these, lot of attention. They, so they, their fleet was mostly minivans, um, like uh, early 2000s, um, Chrysler Town and Countries and Dodge Grand oh, Caravans. gosh. And, so they were working on them all the time. Oh, and, and not a <laughs> single one of those things had less than 200,000 oh, miles man. on it. And they're, and they're company cars. They're driven like company cars. They were road hard, put away wet. I don't yeah. know how many transmission pans and oil pans we were changing because these guys were going up over curbs with these things. <laughs> we, we, we would do that on a regular basis. Almost, almost once a week we were out there changing an oil pan because someone had ripped an oil pan up oh, going man. up over a curb. <laughs> like you, I was looking at him like, I don't think these are naturally occurring problems. Like That's I right. think these are, I think this is happening from the, 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 the technicians that are driving these things. Yeah. The pans are just, uh, they, they, uh, have a problem with blowing holes. In them just, yeah. Uh, it's, a, know, it's, a, it's a common yeah. problem with, with, uh, <laughs> with the uh, Chrysler group minivans, uh, <laughs> that holes randomly tear, uh, tear into these, uh, oil pans. But they, but the, I, there was actually a TSB about that. The problem is, so when it usually occurs is when you ride up over a yeah. curb though, <laughs> right. uh, they, they found, that if you drive up over That's a right. curb, you'll rip a hole. In. That's right. <laughs> really? Yeah, it's kind of weird uh, the way they didn't actually issue a safety recall, just TSB on it. You know? Yeah, so. and you know, we have some small fleets. Uh, we we talked to a, a person with a larger yeah. fleet that larger yeah. being thirty eight vehicles, and yeah, and that was the problem that I had was that you know they wanted deep discounts because they had a lot of work to do, and I yeah. and I get it, but I mean I'm not in business just to you know make people busy. I'm in the business to make some money to as make well. Make money, yeah. And um, I just, I couldn't justify, yes. you know, having to be at their beck and call, basically, and, and not really making a lot and of see, money. And so. see, so bulk bulk discounts make mm -hmm. sense in different industries. In the mm -hmm. services industry, it really doesn't, it's not super profitable. Yeah, because I can't go buy discount. a 24-pack of CV joints, and, you know, no. it just doesn't yeah. work that way. Well, I can't, go buy, I can't go buy a 24-pack of mechanics and get a discount right. on them, exactly, you know? Exactly, right. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, that's, the, that's the problem. And so, you know, bulk order discounts make sense. Like if, if I were, if I, if I sold a product, you know, say, say I sold uh, handcrafted soaps. I don't know why I'm in the soap industry all of a sudden, but I make handcrafted soaps, right? From goat's milk. That's what I do. I make them out of goat's milk. So nice. <clears throat> yeah, this is, this is my fictitious business that uh, I have okay. here. Yeah. Um, we'll call it, um, we'll call it, um, uh, goat suds. So <laughs> at goat suds, we sell, you know, our goat suds, uh, bars of soap at, you know, uh, farmer's markets and stuff. And we sell them for $5 a bar. Well, if, if someone comes along, some big fancy businessman comes by this farmer's market and he looks at, it, he says, these are fantastic. I would love to have these in my, I own a chain of hotels. Mm -hmm. So I want to buy a thousand bars of soap from you every month. Um, well, at that point, 
I can sell it for less than five dollars a right. bar because it's not really it's not it's not you know it's yes there is going to be time involved in it, um, but it's not it's easier to you know produce larger quantities of soap than it is to produce larger quantities of mechanic work, right? Or larger quantities of carpet cleaning or larger quantities, right. you know that that stuff all count that all that stuff all costs money exponentially. No matter what you, no matter how you scale it, one way or another, it costs mm-hmm. more. You know, if you take on a fleet of a uh, hundred vehicles and they want it, you know, they want your rates cut in half. Well, you have to hire. You know, in order to accomplish the work of those hundred vehicles, you have to hire more mechanics that still cost the same amount of money per mm-hmm. mechanic per hour as that would if you were working on one hundred individual clients' vehicles. Right. And so that's why that's why you know. Uh, bulk discounts on the services industries are, in my opinion, not worth you know pursuing or even offering. Yeah. Well, I mean, we offer as mobile mechanics a unique situation for <clears throat> fleets, in my opinion, right? I mean, because yeah, you know, I, that's what I try to tell people. How long, you know, you're take you're having a guy take time out of his day to go sit in the shop. You're, you're paying how much them, money? Yeah, how much money by are you wasting anyway. on that? Right. Or and, or towing a vehicle? Like how many? Yeah. How much money are they spending on towing? Most of them, you know, they have some form of roadside assistance, but because they mm-hmm. use it so frequently, it's not like a free roadside assistance. Right. You know, they have to pay something. So it it does. Um, you know, we we're already are offering it at a discounted rate, right. at a, and and that's what I discovered. You know, know your value is kind of one of those things. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Is, you know, if you, you know, you don't have to bend over backwards just to get that business uh, yeah, because it it's worth. You know, there, there's a certain level of you know, there's a, there's a certain line that you can go up to basically before it becomes before it becomes not profitable and you're just killing yourself just to just to have make a, ends meet yeah just or, to have a know, business come out even <laughs> you know if you you know you have a you have a, a new pr- prospective client like we had the you know the EMS service you know they they mm-hmm. they their fleet and so obviously we're you know, we might have jumped through a few hoops to make some things happen on the schedule to get them in sooner or something like that right. in order to, to impress them to, to know that, you know, so that they would be able to see that there's value to it and that they would want right. to use our services. Right. And, and, you know, and we, we do have, we, we try to get to them quick, but, but it's, yeah. it's a smaller, you know, I think they got 10, 10 12 trucks. Yeah. Um, so it's easier to manage and, um, it and they're is. not insane, which helps a lot too. Yeah. So. That's helpful. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we always I always ran into that issue because I'd done work in the past for like three or four different used car dealerships. They always ended the same. Yeah, um, I, I, you know, my my used car dealership, I, I looked at doing that, and you know, they want even less bigger, than, bigger discounts system. than the fleets. Yeah, you know, they want me to come out and send a guy out for twenty five dollars an hour. And, and I get and it. Like, they I, have a they have a profit margin too. Yeah, but it's well, yeah, that's the thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You, you're getting, and they're like, well, I'll bring you all this business. I'm like, well, you know, here's the thing. It's, it's not worth it for me to work on a hundred cars for 20 bucks an hour when I could work on, when I could work on, you know, yeah. three cars for, you know, 30 bucks an hour right. or whatever, you, you know, get the same thing. Right. Yeah. Um, it, it's, uh, or what rather 70 bucks, you know, I'm, I'm, you can make more, you know, why would right. I, why would I kill myself that much just to. Yeah. Um, well, and, and just not to get business and not to kill yeah. the used car industry, but you know, there were things that they expect, uh, that 
as a mechanic, I'm not going to do. I'm not going to shortcut oh, things. Yeah. I'm not going to. Yeah, they like they like yeah. band-aids. And so you, you know, either we do it fixes. the right way or mm-hmm. I'm out. Right. Yeah, and I had this one. So I had this one real shady used car dealer guy tell me he's like, uh, well, so I told him I said, um, you know, hey, you know, the the uh, so he it had this vehicle had bad uh, wheel bearings. And I said, hey, the reason these wheel bearings have gone bad is the ball joints are shot. You need new ball joints. He said, well. Will this make the noise go away if you just change the wheel right. bearing? I said, yeah, it will. But the wheel bearings are going to go bad again right. soon. I don't care. I'm just trying to sell it. <laughs> and that's what he said. He said, I'm just trying to get it to sell. And I was like, I can't do that. I'm not going to fix something. And knowing knowing that it is just going to break down very soon in the future mm-hmm. and just tear it up. And these, and these this is a safety matter. You right. know, ball joint completely separates, you know, on the highway. You could be in some real trouble. So... Um, so he says, you know, I said, it's just going to break down soon. He's like, well, you leave a business card in the glove box. Yeah, right. Yeah. Like, no, yeah. So I'm going to do want... half ass work yeah. and then put my card in there. Yeah, and I, don't I, <laughs> I don't want to attach my name to this. I said, I'm done. Right. I said, I'm wa- I walked away from mm-hmm. that one. And, right. and, and that was whenever I started getting concerned. And then I met this one used car dealership and he was, you know, everything was sailing great with this guy for a long while, but up until a certain point, all of the fixes, all of the problems had been minor and mm-hmm. were cheap to fix. And then we started getting into a couple of deals where there were more expensive problems and there were things that we couldn't, you know, and he didn't, he didn't really like to cut corners. He really did, I think, want to sell a quality product. But mm-hmm. once the, once his profit margin started slimming away and there's this one particular vehicle, I told him to probably cut his losses and sell it at auction. Mm-hmm. And he said, no, let's proceed and try and sell it and you know, get it ready to sell. Yeah. And it, it ended up, you know, he ended up, you know, it ended up having his lunch, that, that car. And there was a, and, and so he eventually just stopped doing work with me. And I, and it was, I think it was over those, those, the, he's probably just started looking at the, the most recent bills and seeing that they were kind of expensive because mm-hmm. most recent bills were on bigger problems. He loved us whenever, you know, all that needed done was brake jobs yeah, and, yeah, yeah. you know, and, you know, minor stuff like that. And I think we, you know, had to fix a few small oil leaks or something like that. He loved us whenever it was, it was, you know, cheap work. Right. Right. Um, I mean, and I, and I get it too, you know, he's probably buying these cars yeah. at auction or wherever they yeah. come up with them and, you know, he's trying to make a little money on them, but, uh, yeah. you know, you, that's not my problem. You need to yeah, be better exactly. picking cars, I guess. Exactly. You know, so. And that's what, you know, that's what I was like, yeah, we can't, we can't it's, kill it's ourselves. A, it's a tough lesson because I, I don't know what you started out with, but I started out at 45 an hour. That's and, exactly what I started And I tell you, I, yeah. I was getting, I, I was not making any money. And it wasn't the, it wasn't the price that I was charging. It was the people that, you know, you would get at that rate. Because yeah. there's a strange dynamic that goes on with people. It's like, well, this guy's 85, this guy's 45. Well, let's, 80, let's go with the $85 guy because he's got to be better, right? Because he's more expensive. Yeah, and it is. Maybe not the truth, but... But you know, well, that's, that's why that's that why happens. people are under the assumption that dealerships are the highest level quality of mechanics. Yeah, and they because they're the, the most expensive, and they've got the less, the probably the least amount of experience yeah. in the back of those shops. De- dealerships uh-huh. are dealerships are entry level positions right. for mechanics. They got one one ASE stud, yeah. and then the rest of them are guys that just came yeah, out of Tulsa have, Tech. And, have, and not that they're bad, you know, but, but they're inexperienced. They don't, they don't have the experience. Yeah, and, right? and you have and you basically have like one or two, you know, real good master mechanics mm-hmm. at a dealership, and then you might have like the you know, a, a particular diesel specialist, you know, a specialist on one thing. Like, you know, if it's a Ford dealership, you're going to have a power stroke specialist there. Yeah. And he's normally wearing dockers and a nice shirt too. Yeah. So Cause he's he not working on anything. No, he's not, <laughs> he, he just diagnoses right. it. He just hooks the computer. He's just telling you what to, to do. Yeah. Right. 
So, and, and that is the case, like the demographic of customers that I had changed drastically from the, you know, the price point I started out at with at 45 an hour right, right. to now because, and when we raised our rates, we, you know, and it's not that, it's not to say, and it's, funny enough, like it's not that I don't have low income clients. I do. Like yeah. I have, I have plenty of clients mm-hmm. that are not by no stretch of the imagination rich. In fact, oftentimes you could consider them very poor. Right. So it's, it's not as much the demographic of income level that changed. It's the type of people, because the, the people that are selecting you, they're not picking you because you're the cheapest. Right. So because they're not picking you because you're the, you're, you're, you're the clearly are going for a quality. So they're usually more interested in getting something done the right way. Right. Rather than having it just patch jobbed and sent out the door, mm-hmm. which I won't do because there's too many, there's too much liability. Yes. Not, not only yeah. for personal beliefs and, you know, and morals and ethics that I have that I don't want, you know, someone's car to go careening off the road because I patch jobbed <laughs> it. But also there's liability involved with that. You know, say I go and fix a car and, you know, then you know, I'm, I go do brake work and then someone, you know, and I tell them, hey, you need calipers because calipers don't work at all. Mm-hmm. And then they go out and drive it and they end up in a wreck. Well, you're there, they're going to. You know, they're not going to just say, well, he told me I needed brakes. No, they're going to come after me. They're going to be like, well, right. you just fixed my brakes. Why did I get in a crash? Because right. I couldn't break the, the couldn't hit the brakes or whatever. Well, and that's where you learn, you know, like we're doing now, right? I mean, we've got, we've got to have exception forms, de- uh, declination forms, acceptance yeah. forms for people because, you know, we got to cover your behind. I want to make sure that this conversation is documented because I did tell you you need calipers. Yeah. And you decided not to do it. This so when you get in a crash, yeah. then, then this is my only protection. This is know? why generally whenever a conversation turns into something like that, I will, um, I will, I will <clears throat> if the conversation hasn't started in text message form, it, it starts becoming text message form. You know, so you can track me, it. Yeah. Right. So if they tell me over the phone, oh, well, you know, I call them and let them know, hey, we need to fix this because this is the problem. We need to actually do this as well. They say, oh, I don't want to do that. I don't have the money for that. I say, okay. So then I'll, I'll text them and say, just to confirm, just want to make sure, you know, uh, you know, I think mm-hmm. you need to get the ball joints done that will, but you know, you don't want to do them right now. I highly recommend we do them. And then I'll text it and then I'll say, okay, yes, that's what we want to do. We're not going to do the ball joints. and say, okay. So now yeah, I have a conversation right. that, you know, that, cause then it's not, a he said, she said, it's a, he wrote, she wrote type right. of a situation. Right here. Yeah. Now, look at this. This is the customer texted that it, right over. Do you know if that even stand up in a court? Um, I mean, I mean, phone records do, so I see why not. I right? wouldn't see why. I mean, I'm not a lawyer, so I wouldn't expect anyone to take this as legal advice. Yeah, right, right. But I would feel I feel like a written conversation is probably more um, more substantial than and it would because if anything, it's going to be in a small claims court and it's going to be decided yeah. by a judge. Right. So be, uh, yeah, yeah. So the text conversation is probably going to hold a little bit more weight than than you know no uh information at all and just a he said she said type of situation yeah, cause I, I've, done, I've done the same thing right with again i go back to the customer because it's so fresh yeah. on my mind we I, I texted him back and forth and you know he's i said this is what's going to have to happen for us to come back <laughs> out there and he never got a response but yeah the not lack of response means he wasn't going to do it which yeah i knew he wouldn't anyway so yeah and that's where it uh so you know it, I, I think this is where I think this is where a lot of new businesses have a tough time and often and sometimes can even fail and it's because their their inability to handle problem customers mm-hmm. and and a lot of times it's that mentality like I've got to you know please this customer right you know at some point you know you just got to cut your losses and say right you know, some people you can't please right you know yeah so right and you know it's it's 
sometimes I take it too personal, right? Because, yeah. you know, that I hate walking off a job. I mean, it's I've only done it once, and it's just recent. And, I mean, we didn't really walk off the job. No, we, we were, were thrown off, off the job. Yeah. So, you we know, were asked to leave. Because after, after that all happened, I got with Ryan and, and Frank as well. And we, we I mean, I said, oh, recorded let's record this because yeah. I want to I make sure that what just happened we have on record because yep. I'll, we'll forget about it, right, in two weeks from now. So, um, you know, whether that's worth it or not, I do have these guys yeah. that were there too. Yeah. And they saw what happens. And even well. after all that, you know, thinking about taking them to court and everything, we still gave him the option of us coming right. out and doing yeah. the work right. after, mm-hmm. you know, because well, calling back, begging us to come back yeah. after you kick yeah. us off. Well, yeah. after his daughter, oh. it's his daughter's car, and his daughter probably got a little mad because Cause I'm sure. well, we're like the third yeah. set of mechanics he's yeah, running I'm off. Sure. So. Yeah. And uh, anyway, I I think um, you know I I think that. Uh, that is where you know a less experienced person in business would have continued to bend over backward for that guy, and mm-hmm. that's and that's that's what that can that can kill a business. Yeah. Um, if yeah. you if you keep thinking, well, I need you know I need to you know I need this business or you know, the reality is is there's always going to be there's always going to be someone else with with rare exceptions to certain industries. Like if you're selling, if you're selling a special type of, you know, uh, uh, space rocket, there's probably only a few companies mm-hmm. you can sell it to, you know? Right. Right. So, you, you know, you don't want to, just because you're annoyed with Elon Musk and SpaceX doesn't mean you should fire him as a customer. You, <laughs> you probably want to keep him around, right. you know? <laughs> or, That's right. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Cause you, you only got two people. You got like NASA and SpaceX here, right. in, here in, here in the U S <laughs> so there's exceptions to that rule. But in the case of most companies, most, um, especially most small businesses in America, you have no shortage of clients. You really, you really don't. And the thing is, is even if there's only five customers in the whole wide world that'll buy from you, if, if, if one of those customers is costing you money, it, it'd be worth it to just have four customers rather than oh, five. Yeah. yeah. Cause again, I, again, it, it's a hard lesson to learn, but yeah. you know, over the time, you know, I, I, I mean, I've got uh, this customer we're having a problem with. He, you know, he's refusing to pay. Well, I, we got a lot wrapped up into this. and But I have to do the right thing for my company and for yeah. my partners as well, right? Because, mm-hmm. you know, really the guys that were getting the brunt of this were, were uh, the wrenching around guys, which are my partner. Yeah. And, you know, and I had to be out there to babysit. Yeah. And it was going well. Yeah, you know the uh, customer's a little ridiculous when you have to come out and prevent him from yes. watching what we're doing. <laughs> yeah. Right. Because like Distracted. in the thermostat situation, I knew that that thermos that new thermostat was not going to have to be, you know, punched in there. I know yeah. that it, it's a little loose until you put the clamp on. So I'm like putting everything back together and I like, put the thermostat housing off to the side and he's like, Well what's that? And I was like, Oh, here yeah. we go. And well, I was like, that's, that, that's the thermostat housing and he's like, Oh well, we have the new thermostat right here. Let's put it in. I was like yeah, well, you know, watching what's going on and driving what's going on is, uh, you know, there's that's unacceptable. You're you're here. You want to sit here and watch? Fine. You're paying us to come out and but, do a job, yeah, not right. paying us to come out and boss us around. Right. right. Mm-hmm. Like if I have a plumber come out to my house, I don't tell him what to do. And I'm I'm no. I'm a pretty well accomplished yeah. plumber myself, but that's <laughs> it's a waste of you know it's a waste of my money if I'm having to. If I'm having right. to manage him, you right. know, why, I, why else am I, I paying him? I'm paying you because I don't have time to do it. Yeah. So you just take care of it. I'm paying right. you because I don't have the time nor the. Yeah, I don't understand mm-hmm. why he's, why he would pay us in the first place if he's such a good mechanic who, can do it all himself. 
Yeah. And he had plenty of time because he was out there the entire time, every day that we yeah, were there. Yeah, he's semi-retired, I, I assume, because he was always there. Yeah, yeah. So, something like that. Yeah. He wasn't there the, the second day I was out there, but he's he had supposed to be. watching me. And then he left. Yeah, yeah. oh, he, same thing. I he went watch. inside, yeah. and then he had his daughter come out, and he literally, I heard him tell yeah. her, stay here and watch them. Yeah. Like, what are you watching us for? I'm a grown man. I don't need right. to Exactly. Anyway. Yeah, I, I don't... Um, I could do a whole podcast on that guy. <laughs> we really do need to that's do kinda, a whole podcast that's why that. I brought, That's kind of mm-hmm. why I brought him up. Because right. I figured you could talk a little bit. I would talk all day. There's, there, there are, the point of it is there are definitely customers that are worth firing. Because it just ends up costing you too mm-hmm. much, oh, too much time and too much money. And too much we're stress. that subject? Jeez. Right. It's too much stress. It's like a two know? and a half hour long subject, right? There. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's there's, there's you know what point do you know because you, you know it's not even as much money. You also have to value your time. You have to make yeah. you have to you have to understand well how much time is this costing me? Mm-hmm. Well, how much is my time worth? Well, I bill mm-hmm. X amount of dollars per hour, so that's how much my time is worth. And yeah. so well, and, and my time babysitting this guy, I got nothing for it, right? Yeah, my time's worth something, you mm-hmm. know. But uh, yeah. It was a it was a tough lesson learned and, and yeah. you know I think it would have gone I think it would have gotten worse if you hadn't already experienced a similar situations in the past like this and known mm-hmm. it's time to time to pull out. Yeah. And and that one of the lessons that you know so one of the things another lesson to learn is never get so invested in something that you kind of can't just walk away right. like that. You right. know? Well, I think that's the problem you had you had you the only reason you were continuing is because you you had you had time and money wrapped up into it. it right, you already kind of you know yeah, at this kind point of, uh, you know, committed yeah. a little bit. Yeah, I, I, but I you know it's changed policies for us. Yeah, right? we, yeah. we're gonna we've, have to have contracts. We've totally changed our policies to mm-hmm. you know, and, and the people who are my existing customers for three years, you know, you know, sorry, but you're gonna have to abide by these policies because yeah. I can't make one offs because. You know, when you start doing one-offs, then did I do it for this guy? Do I do it for this exactly. guy? Exactly. So everybody follows the policy. Yep. And it's just it's just easy. And I, that's way. what uh, you know. I, I always say in my in my uh, company policy book, I said every, there's a story behind every single one of yeah, these policies. Absolutely. There, there's mm-hmm. not a policy written that does not have some <laughs> sort of a story behind it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, there's there's a reason behind. It. I don't have arbitrary uh, rules for nothing. You know, right. and and they apply to everybody, even even from the employee side like employee policies i still have to follow my own policies Mm -hmm. like it you know i have a policy that you know uh you you don't get paid for a job until you finish all of the paperwork if i don't finish my paperwork i don't pay myself right you know so but guess what i always finish my paperwork because of that you know there's a reason behind that is because we haven't we had a problem where paperwork wasn't getting done and it becomes a problem whenever you you know you know the point of tracking the service history on these vehicles Mm -hmm. is so you can reference it you know months or years later and if you don't if you don't make that you don't take the three minutes to make the note now You'll then you'll either forget it mm-hmm. or you'll have no record of it. So you don't know what, you know, how, how, how many miles was this done at? What date was this vehicle? What date was this part installed so that I can find it for warranty purposes? Right. All that stuff. It's important. It seems, you know, it seems um, like a very minute thing, but it is an important thing to get done. And so there's a policy behind it. And even as owner, I still follow my own policies for, you know, well, for good. employees. Yeah, because, you should, because I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, well, and I guess I get this sometimes because I, I accept, I don't accept cash. And I had a customer, you know, say, are you sure you can't take cash? And I said, no, I can't. I'm sorry. It's my policy. He's like, but don't you own the company? I'm like, 
yeah, and, and I wrote the rule. Yeah, and I there's a reason I don't take it. Yeah, yeah. I didn't write the rule for no reason, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I found out later why the customer was so insistent on paying with cash. It was mildly inconvenient for this particular customer to not have cash because they, they owned a dispensary, and so it's a cash mm-hmm. cash ah, operation. Right, yes. Yeah. Um, and I was like, oh, okay, I kind of get it, but, you know, if it's not too much trouble, please, I prefer card payment. And she, she obliged, and she's... Uh, you know, she she just makes it just takes more preparation beforehand because because they can't get paid via card. Um, oh right. Because yeah. since it's federally illegal. Yep. The visa and them, they won't they won't let they won't accept it. Yes, yeah. you can't get federally regulated banks involved in in this uh, in this industry, and so it, it gets a little weird. So it's you know it's all mm-hmm. cash operation, and so they have to you know so they have she's got you know, more money in cash than she does in her bank account. So, which is another topic in and of itself. I think that that's uh, silly and we need to, because it creates a, it creates a, a, a danger in that industry. Like there's a mm-hmm. higher, a higher probability for being wrong. Oh yeah. They know uh, there's a bunch of cash there. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's the, it's the only, one of the only businesses where you can look mm-hmm. at it and be like, yep, there's going to be cash in there yeah, yeah, and lots of it. So, but you know, the, the reason I don't accept cash is because, you know, if I did it, then I would, for you know, if a customer was able to pay me cash, well, what happens when I send a mechanic out? Well, now that mechanic has to get cash to me so I can deposit it to the bank, and so I have to meet well, up. Well, and they with don't him. carry change. That's what I came yeah. in. You know, here, your seventy-five-hour diagnostic here is eighty bucks. Well, that's great. Yeah. I don't have five bucks to give you. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so thanks for the tip. You right? know? Yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> that's know. yeah, I don't I don't carry change. I don't want to become a target for theft. Is right. another thing, and you know, I don't want my mechanics to become a target for theft. It's inconvenient for me to have to meet up. Same with. You know, people, you know, I tell them I don't accept checks and people tell me, um, oh no, you know, it's a business check. I'm good for it. I'm like, no, no. Here's the thing is in the entire, um, two years of accepting checks, I only had one check bounce. I'm not concerned with that. Mm-hmm. It's the matter of, you know, um, uh, accountability it. and yeah. handling it because mm-hmm. so a, a check gets given to a mechanic. And you know, the mechanic's not going to, can't really steal the check because it's written out to my company, not to him, but. Um, what if he loses it? Yeah. Yeah. Then I got to go back to the customer and be like, Hey, you know, that check you gave us, it got lost. Can I get another check please? Um, or you know, now I have to meet up with him again, same inconvenience cause he can't, he can't deposit it to the bank. Mm-hmm. So I have to deposit it. So it's just an inconvenience. Um, and it's just far easier to pay it. And that's the thing is I'm trying to make things as convenient as possible and, for the customers. And right. I also and have me. to make it for convenient for me. Yeah. Because that's what I run into is, you know, when, when, you know, when I was doing this, doing the work and then taking payment at the end, well, you know couldn't catch up with this guy or this or that. And so now I'm, I'm yeah. spending a week or two chasing the mm-hmm. money that the guy owes me. And it's ridiculous because you're not going to walk out of any shop without paying the bill. You're not yeah. going to get your keys back. Yeah, exactly. And so why should I be any different? So, um, well, and, and that's it. And it's also, you know, it's, it's more convenient for the customer because they just have a card on file. Mm-hmm. I just let them know how much the bill is. They agree to it. I charge it. Right. End of end of exchange. No worry. Yeah. Well, you the, know, no, the whole idea is yeah. it's easy for everybody. I come to your and, office while you're working. And, yes. You know, it's got to be easy for me too. And if otherwise, it's, and know. that's another thing too. If it's easier for me, you know, the the more the less time I spend doing dumb stuff like peddly you know, stuff, like that type of you know administrative stuff involved with business. Some stuff is unavoidable, but the less time I spend doing 
um, stuff that doesn't have to be done, the more time I can spend on focusing how to make my business more efficient and more effective, which will increase profitability, but also increase um, convenience and cost effectiveness to the customer. Mm -hmm. If I could figure out a way, if I can find a way to cut cost, then that means that it, you know, it's beneficial to the customer. Right, right. And if I'm spending, you know, an hour of my time every single day running checks to the bank, um, Mm -hmm. then, you know, that's an hour I could otherwise be spending making my business better, making, you know, know, streamlining productivity so that way customers can get into the calendar quicker or something along Mm -hmm. those lines. Um, You know, my time is better spent doing those things rather than, um, rather than running checks to a bank, you know, whenever we have another solution to that. And that's just push a couple buttons and everyone, you know, well, and everybody uses, I mean, cash is going to be gone before long. Every, you know, everything's going to be transactional. Oh yeah. You know, credit cards. Oh yeah. So, I I mean, <laughs> you know, it's it just, I almost never carry cash. And, yeah, I um, really don't either. Uh, the, the, uh, in fact, I had, I had $20 in my wallet for like, uh, three weeks because I forgot that I had it in there because I had pulled out some money, um, to, to, I bought a boat off of Facebook and, and, uh, so I went to, you know, I went to go buy it. I, you know, talked them down a little bit. So I had 20 extra dollars in my pocket (laughs) and, uh, Till I went to go put a receipt in there because I, you know, normally keep like my, my, uh, my receipts for like business meals and stuff like that. So, and, and then I eventually upload them into the computer. Mm-hmm. I go to put a receipt in there and I see, and I, and I see the green thing catch my eye. I'm like, what the heck is that? I almost <laughs> forgot what cash looked right. like. I was like, oh, right, that's oh, cash. Yeah, that's cash. I forgot about that. <laughs> I had to write a check for the first time in like 10 years because I had to, because I'm in the process of buying this house. So I had to, the, the um, titling company. Um, that's holding the earnest money doesn't didn't accept like card payments or anything they needed a check and i'm like oh i gotta go get checks first yeah. off i had to go to a bank and have them print me up some checks yeah, yeah. so that i could go down there and uh write an iou to them because that's what a check that's is <laughs> yeah yeah well my kids are like that my my kids are probably around your age and they don't yeah. they just they use debit cards for everything yeah, they I, don't I, carry checks they don't yeah you know and that's as soon as as soon as online banking became a thing i ditched the checkbook like mm-hmm. so like i I mean, I still had a checkbook for a little while because some bills we still had to pay via check, but I quit balancing a checkbook. I remember back in the day, Ryan doesn't know anything about this. <laughs> he doesn't know anything about balancing checkbooks. Right. That's that's how you knew how much Not money as you old had. As you guys. That's how much money you knew <laughs> how much farts. money you had in your checking account. Because whether it was a debit card transaction or a check transaction, you, you had this little ledger in your checkbook mm. that mm. you would, you know. Oh, wait. So you had to, like, write it down? Yeah, you would write pen. down. Oh, yeah, a pen. Yes, yeah. with a pen. Oh. It wasn't touchscreen. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah see, I just pen. I just click like a calculate on my bank account. Yeah, I don't yeah, know. No, no. We I don't had know to, what that math. Mm-hmm. We had to write is. in, so it had a, you know you had you had your date, you had your like your description of what it was in the amount, mm-hmm. and so you'd write in the amount. There's the date then, right there. I don't understand do why it's so difficult. <laughs> yeah, <clears throat> you have to do the math on it so that way you'd know how much money is still yeah. left in your. I will say though, I've been keeping track of like my bank account on paper because the bank that i use their app is garbage so every time i log into it or okay well i download it right and then i'm on it i'm using it and i log out of it or i don't log out i just close my phone open it up i have to log back into the account well it's been like two weeks since i got on it so i don't remember the password or anything (laughs) so now i can't get into my bank account and the bank's like oh well you know we can't make another account like just change the password and they're like yeah mm. <laughs> i was like uh just 
send me my spending on why didn't you just remember your password i didn't think they were like yeah you just log into it one time never have to log into it again Hmm. every time i get on that app and get off it logs me out so Hmm. yeah Yeah. well i mean it's kind of probably a security thing Yeah. yeah square does the same thing yeah, Square will log you out right away. It doesn't, um, well, I just have to put a pin in. A mine pen. takes Face yeah. ID. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah mine does You're Face ID Face too. ID? Yeah. yeah, see, I need to update my phone. Um, I'm I surprised that. that iPhone still works. I am too. I, it actually almost... I it, Because, it, you know, every update they come out I with, know. it messes your phone and up And I just more. had an update a few days ago, and this morning it was acting real slow and clunky, so I was like, ah, it's time to turn it off and turn it back on. I turned it off. And then like I go to turn it back on, turn on, it wouldn't come back on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, it, I could not get it to come back on for like five minutes. I'm like, well, that's it. Now the <laughs> phone's over. done. Yeah. Uh, that's like that's I, that. This is a brand new iPhone. This is like the, the XR or something like that. And it's already having problems yeah. because of the new updates the 11, they're releasing. Well, they came out with the 11, too. Yeah, they, they came out with the 11. So it's like, a whole well, generation old. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, Jeez. might as well be 50 years old. <laughs> might as well with all the updates they release. Start to mess your <laughs> yeah. phone up. Yeah, I was legitimately concerned this morning because uh, I was like, great, i got to add that to my list of things to do today. i got to stop by an AT&T store. Now, I'm still considering it because I... It, you probably should. Just, my heart did skip a beat. I was <laughs> like, oh, great. Don't even consider yeah. it. Well, just like you're your business off of it, too, right? Yeah, I do. It's uh, it's concerning because, like, I had my phone die on me two years ago, and that's why it prompted me to get this phone. Um, my phone quit working on me, and uh, I... Uh, so what it usually happens when my phone goes kaput is it's it's more of an inconvenience to my wife because she just ends up not having a phone for the day. No, you take <laughs> so her. I just take her phone. I'm like, I'm like, sorry, police business. I got to have this. Yeah, I just yeah. confiscate mm-hmm. it like a car. You know, I'm like, sorry, I've got to have this. Uh, then you know, I, I make the appropriate phone calls. Like I call Rachel and say, hey, phone's dead. You're gonna have to talk. You're gonna have to call. Reach me at my wife's phone. You know. And, uh, you know, send, send out the text messages necessary and then make a beeline over to the AT&T store mm-hmm. to get me another phone. You should really try U.S. Cellular, just saying. No. I got this phone for free. Yeah? Yeah. I mean, my phone's cost me money, but um, at least I have a network that works everywhere, so. I'm, I haven't ran out of service on that yet. Hmm. I get, it's a little patchy. At Randy's, but that's because there's a Sprint Tower 20 feet from Randy's house. Yeah, but I go to Randy's house, and I, I get perfect cell service out there. Okay. All right. Never mind. Yeah. Mm. Don't, don't worry about it. I used to drive semi-trucks, Ryan. I've been, I've, you know that song, I've mm-hmm. Been Everywhere, mm-hmm. Man? Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. I have been all around this country, and um, very, very few places there are that don't have good service with AT&T and Verizon. Um, mm-hmm. Verizon and AT&T definitely have the best Verizon's got that 5G stuff now. If you get in the right place. AT&T does too. Yeah. yeah, If you get in the right place, your phone will work extremely fast. That's not true. It's like garbage. The 5G is garbage right now. What are you talking about? Here in Tulsa? 5G is like the best. Right now, because it's a new network, they're not really pumping a lot of bandwidth. You mean they're working out the kinks? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, yeah. yeah. They're not pumping out the bandwidth yet. So like a lot of Sepulpa is under 5G now. Um, Whenever I'm in the Sepulpa area, I'm mostly on 5G. And um, if you speed test it, it's actually slower than 4G. It's going to be faster. It's going to yeah, be far it's gonna faster. it's going to be way, way faster. It's going to be faster than the LTE is. They started They started mm. messing with 5G up in Omaha. My brother is telling me that when he speed tests up there, because it's been, they've, they've had 5G for a little while now up there. 
And when he speed tests on the 5G network, he's seeing like almost 200 megabits a second download. Oh, wow. So, yeah, that's, that's, it, it, uh, and that's I think ridiculous. it can get faster, mm-hmm. um, I'd imagine. Um, they're talking about, you know, speeds in the hundreds. At some point or another, it's going to be, we're going to ditch, uh, you know, like wired internet. Like there's going to be. Oh, yeah. Need. Well, it's just not really reliable yet either. I mean. Yeah. Once, once the cellular takes mm-hmm. it off and once we can figure out, how to quit putting data caps on people then I mean, if Which cell phone ridiculous. companies yeah. if cell phone companies would just invest in more servers mm-hmm. then they wouldn't ha- and more towers they wouldn't have to data cap anybody and then they could make you know millions off of the internet packages mm-hmm. they'd be selling and just sell cellular routers to people yeah i'm yep. pretty sure in countries like japan and in uh, and like that they don't have that problem so i don't think they cap people yeah the bandwidth is there of course it's not it's a smaller country this is the thing i wonder is it really is like one giant is it really a hardware is it really a hardware issue in the fact that we we need you know there's only so much server space and there's only so much cell towers is it really that issue or do or are they just playing the supply and demand game yeah that no that's all it's about in my opinion i mean the hardware is plenty fast enough you know trust me it's just it's just they don't want to spend the money or they want to make you know the bot it's all about bottom line right? yeah that's the question is like are they really are they really capping data because they can't because they can't only handle so much data Mm -hmm. or are they doing it because and so it's kind of like the this, this is what I want makes me wonder about is kind of like the diamond industry. You know, diamonds are like there's tons. It's of a ripoff. Yeah. Yeah, di- diamonds are a ripoff. Yeah. Oh, They're yeah. not there's rare at all. There's only two companies that handle it's all two. the diamonds in yes. the world. Yeah. Two companies. Two. Yeah, two don't get me started giant, on that yeah. one. <laughs> there are two big giant <laughs> umbrella corporations that have all of the diamond supply in the world, and they only release so much per mm-hmm. year to keep it yep. a rare, because they own all of them. Yeah. And so they only sell so many per year, and, and, and they sell a fewer quantity, so that way prices are worth more. Mm-hmm. They, they're controlling the supply, and the demand's there, and since they're controlling all of the supply, they set the prices at whatever they feel like. Right. <laughs> and, yeah, that's mm-hmm. a true story. Yeah, diamonds are super... And Because one, one thing that got me thinking about it is like, I was like, if diamonds are so rare... Why are we putting them on like drill bits and stuff? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. You know, you're cr- we're crushing them up and putting them on drill bits. Why uh, it can't be that rare, right? Yeah. <laughs> and then I get to look at it and I'm like, these these shady guys are it's a it's a diamond mafia. Yeah. They own them all. Yeah. And so because of that, they set the prices. So I wonder if that's what you know AT and T and Verizon are doing. They set the standard. You know, you look at both of them. Mm-hmm. You know, anytime the one has had unlimited or doesn't have unlimited, the other one does the same thing. And they're like, well, right. we just control the data power. Because we're yep. the we're the biggest networks, we're mm-hmm. the most reliable networks. So we get whatever we get, we get to do whatever we want. Now, there might be something about that because we were at a uh, OU game here a few weeks ago, and That's you know, unfortunate. when you when you're trying to you know post something on Facebook or whatever, because yeah. you know there's mm-hmm. everybody mm-hmm. in the stadium's trying to do it. Of course, not yeah. you're, you're all pinging one tower. So you do kind of lose the yes. bandwidth. It takes a long time. But how often is you know forty thousand people in one place trying to hit the same tower? Yeah. You know, besides new like New York City or high density right. population areas. But well, in those high density problem. population areas, <laughs> you can just increase the yeah. amount of cell towers and stuff mm-hmm. like that, or just build you know come up with a little bit better. But I think I think the vast majority of it, you know, there shouldn't be so much traffic. And I have seen that because there was. Um, so uh, it happened fairly frequently in Washington D.C. area mm-hmm. when I lived up there. Yeah, I can see Any, that. Anytime you'd have like a major like mass event of some kind, yeah. it would be impossible to get a phone call out. Right. So we had an earthquake there, 
So I was actually at my, uh, I was at my, um, the, basically our emergency duty station. We're basically on standby for evacuation of, you know, the VIPs and the president and stuff like that. This is like a firehouse. So an earthquake happens and this is, this is the Marine Corps. So somewhere, I don't know which Marine, but somewhere, someone in the background, um, hollers out earthquake and I, uh, someone just had to yell it, I guess. And so everyone, uh, so we have to get the helicopters out of the hangars so that the building doesn't fall down oh, on these right. helicopters. Yeah. Uh, because if something, you know, if the earthquake you know, comes in to become something more, we got to have a, we're the guys who are supposed to get the people out of, out of DC. Right. So after we get all the helicopters pushed out and the earthquake kind of subsides, um, which was peculiar because you didn't typically get that many earthquakes. Yeah, I was going to say that's not common there. Is no, it? that's why that's why it was such a big it was such a big mm. deal. And so then, and it was big enough, not like these little tiny ones we're getting here in Oklahoma where you can barely feel them and they just really only show up on the scale. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was substantial, shook everything. So it's probably people in California were probably like that was you know that was nothing. Right. So we, I, you know, I go to call my wife. Um, and can't get a call through. We couldn't. No one could get a call through for like 20 minutes afterwards because I think after that earthquake, everyone and their mother was calling right. yeah. um, from the area. So and that would happen. That also happened after the Sandy Hook shooting. Um, you know, after that, during the and then the Navy Yard shooting, um, mm-hmm. it was hard to get phone calls out around that time. So you can, you have those issues with like the the population dense areas, but yeah, I think that could be resolved. Well, more towers, I guess, or yeah, you know, or, or I don't towers. even know. Maybe more uh, receivers on the towers. Who knows? I don't know what yeah. the, you know the technical come up, aspect. Come is, up with but, something. Data caps are just stupid. Yeah, yeah. We need to live because um, who was it? Was it? Um, it was Google. They made free Wi-Fi for an entire town in Kansas. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was it was it in Topeka. Yeah, I'm not sure where it's at, it was, but it's a, it's around there, I think. Yeah, yeah it was it was or... a town in Kansas mm-hmm. that they said that that uh, in exchange for you know free Wi-Fi network for like a few years or something mm-hmm. like that, they, the cha- the town changed their name to Google. So oh, um, that's right. I yeah, do, yeah, I remember. I know what you're talking about, right? <laughs> but um, but yeah, so and they and they had no data limit, so they they managed they made it work somehow. Yeah, so. and it, it it should again it should work. I would I would think because there are countries that do that and get much better Wi-Fi than we have here. So yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, um, any uh, any closing thoughts? Anyone? We've got I've apparently got someone knocking on the studio door. Um, so oh yeah, I didn't but, hear it. But I think yeah, no, I mean door. just uh, yeah, it was that door. Okay. Yeah, you know the overview is uh, you know customers. I think the the point to me is. Being able to deal with customers, right? Because, uh, like you said, you don't have to put up with with no. any, you know, yeah, crap, for lack of a better word. <laughs> yeah, there's no, there's no reason there's no reason to bend over backwards and lose money just just for the sake of having that customer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just to have another customer in your database, it's there's there's more fish in the sea. Yeah, um, and well, it, he's still in my database, but I won't I won't use him anymore. Yeah, he's so. on the do not call list. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> yeah. He's on, the, he's on the do not fly list. That's right. Um, all right. Well, in that case, I guess on that note, we will uh, we will close up this uh, close up this podcast. Oh, and uh, uh, do apologize to listeners for the long period between uh, podcast episodes. I've been super busy. They, they will be coming more frequently again. So, uh, until next time, this is the Making Jobs Podcast. That's right, making jobs. That's what it is.